As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As far back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. When and in P.A. Just listen. Just listen. Ho, ho, ho. Hold on to your butt. Play around with a bad football team, bad things happen. Take off all of your skin and brave when you are free. Shake off all of your sins and give them to me. Close up, let me back in I wanna be yours, wanna be your hero When and in And my heart beats Like the empires of the world in Vikings We are alive And the stars make love to the universe Hi. You're my wildfire every single Thursday, 9 to noon, Bryant Heating and Cooling Studios, FM 100.3, KFAN, and I'm like, winning in, I'm like, here we go, beat those bears so we can be like, yes, playoff football for the Minnesota Vikings, and I'm like, Cousins, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, and I'm like, defense travels, let's run the ball, and let's play. I will follow you down wherever you go. The Christmas gift that keeps on giving. Baby, I'm bound to you, and do you know? Win and end. Tight. I wanna be yours, wanna be your hero. Not much else to say. And my heart beats like the empires of the world unite. We are alive. We lament the, the loss to the Buffalo Bills. It was diseased, ain't no doubt. Would have been nice to have that one for sure. 
the tie at Lambeau Field. Would have been nice to have that one for sure. That game cost us a talented rookie kicker. But I'm like, how about the win at Philadelphia? One of the real underrated facets. Year of our Lord 2018 football team, Minnesota Vikings. Bills lost diseased. Linval hungry, penalty early, diseased. Josh Allen out sprinting 55 to the front left pylon, diseased. Lamenting Lambeau, rookie kicker cut, diseased. But how about the win at Philly? What a season-turning win that was for the Minnesota Vikings. You see, that's the team hoping we lose Sunday so it can return to the postseason. The champs not controlling their destiny. Oh, my gosh. Above average at that. Cool. Probably didn't go as planned, but whatever. They got rings. In the Philly win, the Vikings' defense took a turn for the better and never looked back. Can I get a witness on this? The Philadelphia Eagles' victory was the biggest win of the season. By 10 miles. Can I get a witness on that? From the power of the Purple Covenant compelling us. It sparked a four out of five winning stretch for the Minnesota Vikings. We were diseased before that. Sure, we hung 31 on McVay's super special team, but we gave up like 530 yards. I think Philly had three at halftime. It's the biggest win of the season. It was a season-turning win. And the way we look back and lament the diseased loss to the Buffalo Bills, the Philadelphia Eagles, with their super special dog masks, are looking back at the home game against the Minnesota Vikings, lamenting that, saying, if we only had beaten what at that time might have been perceived as a bad team, then we would not be in this spot to have to beat Jake Rudin's team and root for Matt Nagy's team to beat the Minnesota Vikings with our head coach reportedly, allegedly, and potentially calling Matt Nagy, begging for his team to win, even though Matt Nagy may want the Minnesota Vikings in the first round more than Doug Peterson's team in the first round. So they're lamenting all that the way we lament the disease loss to the Buffalo Bills. There's a lot of lamenting transpiring 9 to noon. Um... Can you repeat the part of this stuff where you said all about the things? Linval 8 in the end zone in the Philadelphia game. The defense the last three games for the Minnesota Vikings has been maybe the best in the National Football League. And we will need all of it Sunday to advance. Can I get a witness on this? The Philadelphia Eagles are not losing to the Washington Redskins. You might be right. Six and a half point favorites. Granted, on the road, they're not losing to the Washington Redskins. So this, my friends, watching and or listening and or attending the House of Pain this Sunday for the 325 boom, this truly is a win and in. Win and in. I say the Eagles are not losing to Washington. You say they might not lose to Washington. What am I missing? Well, you're missing a team in Josh Johnson and a defense that has kind of pulled itself together. Negativity with DJ Swearinger going uh, going bye-bye. Uh, but the Redskins are a weird team. They've won games they're not supposed to win all year long. 
Adrian, potential swan song for him at FedEx Field. It's not an absolute given, but I am like you, PA. I believe that the defending champions will handle their business at FedEx, which will require us to win and get in. Here is why I believe it is an absolute Philadelphia beats Washington. And you mentioned the operative name, DJ Swearinger. The Washington Redskins cut DJ Swearinger on Christmas Eve. That never goes over well with the players, and I have history. You cut players on Christmas Eve, and you're a non-playoff team. The U-Hauls, the the beeps you hear may be the U-Hauls already backed up, ready to pick up the stuff of these players so they can head to Turks and Caicos, Punta Cana, and or Las Vegas. Cutting a player on Christmas Eve does not go over well in locker rooms across the Great Divide. Had I been, did you bring that up with Burke yesterday, perchance? Didn't bring up Swearinger with uh, with Burke. Had the announcer been in studio yesterday, this would have been a long form talker, because Burke was on the 2006 Minnesota Vikings, a team that cut Marcus Robinson on Christmas Eve and got stomped. The next game at home against the St. Louis Rams. I've called 300 some odd games of Minnesota Vikings football. And there have been one, maybe two, a a very, very small handful of times. In my 17 years heading into a game, I knew a team had absolutely no chance. That home game against the St. Louis Rams after cutting Marcus Robinson on Christmas Eve, that was one of those games. The players' angst for Brad Childress cutting a player on Christmas Eve, which whether you're DJ Swearinger and you rip the coaches after a loss to the Titans, you go on some radio station, you double and triple down on the bit, I understand. He probably had to go. But when it comes to the family covenant, and you cut somebody on Christmas Eve, that does not go over well with the knuckleheads. Probably not. They may not get loud about it in the media with the negatives. I'm telling you right now, if their situation is like ours was into the Rams game against Scott Linehan and Corey Chavis, final game 2006 season, the laydown factor was as immense as I have seen in my 300-some-odd games I have called for this team. Hmm. The, the players' disdain for Brad Childress into that Rams game for cutting Marcus Robinson on Christmas Eve was it, it was off the charts immense. I can't guarantee that's the situation in Washington. But I'm just saying, when it happened here, losing to the Rams was a foregone conclusion, and the Rams were a non-playoff bit. Purely from a football perspective, 2PA Swearinger is their best safety, I believe. Haha Clinton Dix has been terrible Great. for them. Great. So that hurts him. You're D- right. DJ Swearinger, if he has a family, if he has friends, Christmas Eve, he had to tell all of them, I have been relieved of my duties the day before Christmas. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, everybody. I was fired on Christmas Eve. <laughs> The dogs don't appreciate that within the covenant. That'd be awful. It's all on the Minnesota Vikings Sunday. 
It truly is a win and in. And here are a couple of A topics for the Minnesota Vikings to get the job done. A topic exchange. Clichéd as it is, the crowd. Purple-loving Roop Nation, you are very important. Right in motion to the right. Trubisky sees nothing. He's hit. Throws it away. That's a safety. He was hit in the end zone. Linval Joseph all over him. This will be a safety. Potential grounding. There we go. That results in a safety. Matt Nagy holds Mitchell Trubisky's hand right up until communication to the helmet is cut 15 seconds before the play. Everybody around the league knows it. The louder the crowd, the more confused he will become. He's good when he runs and not great when he passes. The louder and more raucous the fans are at the House of Pain when he's trying to get that call, the more compromised the second-year Tar Heel will become. Get after it, Vikings fans. Copyright Paul Charchium. Let's turn this quarterback into sad Trombonski. A topic exchange. I want this team to get mean. I want them to get angry like their playoff lives depend on it. Oh, wait. They do. So, do this. Hand off to Alvin yes! Cook. He spins it around the left side. Turns it up at the 10. To the 5. Touchdown! Dalvin Cook's first rushing touchdown. Is from 13 yards, and it's Vikings 13, Dolphins 0. I believe that they will, the defense will handle Mitchell Trubisky on Sunday. But I believe if you want to take the ball and put Kirk Cousins in the best position possible to win this game on Sunday, you got to run this rock. Four teams have run for 100-plus on the Bears this year, three of those on the road, by the way, and three of those four resulted in losses for Chicago. Maybe we go back some old-school power. Maybe run some traps. Run a Khalil Mack. Run it Akeem Hicks. No, no, do not run it Akeem Hicks, actually. David Morgan, back in the mix. Huge to have a tight end that can hold blocks on the outside. Yes! If he played in the first Bears game in Chicago, I think he's on the line instead of Rudy when Mack blew him up and stripped Dalvin Cook in the red zone. Here's the thing. Go heavy. Beat on this cocky Bears front seven. Any amount of success in the run game will shorten this game and make Kirk's play action look like art in motion. These route jumping, ball hawking, secondary corners and safeties for the Bears will not have a chance. Run that ride! A topic exchange. When 9 to noon continues, Miss Marnie Gellner, the Vox for the Timberwolves Bulls game last night on Fox Sports North, joins us. After that, Russo Radio. Speaking of Chicago, big spot game for the Wild this evening on the fan. From the United Center, Russo Radio, 935. Nacho Lieber in studio, 955. Bears beat writer Dan Weederer at 10.55, and Aaron Glayman, the techie in studio, 11.15. Nordo is the producer, and I'm Paul Allen. This is 9 to Noon. Good morning. Win and in. You're listening to PA. Paul, this is the most, that's the most difficult question I've gotten in the last week, and I've, I've answered a lot of Liner. questions. On the fan. The Wolves. Because he doesn't play a whole lot like a lot of seven flips. Oh, he's taking a lot of contact and somehow got that shot to drop. I was born and raised in the bone. 
big steps into the paint up and over Robin Lopez. Yeah, that was a big swinging right-handed hook from Carl Anthony Towns. Derrick Rose to get the steal. Covington will convert on the other end. Miss Marnie Gellner was on lead vocals for the Wolves win at Chicago last night, and uh, Miss Boondocks joins us now. Uh, great job, buddy. Uh, how how are you? Were you nervous last night? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Um, was I nervous? I was I was a little anxious. I was like, come on, let's just get this game going. Because I had known about it for about a week, and so you kind of start some early prep, and you start thinking about it, and start watching some Bulls games, and then by the time the day got here, and we have, you know, a meeting, and, and then a pregame, and I'm like, oh, let's just get going. So, um, I was a little, I was a little nervous. It's been a long time since I've been nervous about something, but um, I think it was a good nervous, it was a good energy, and I was a little rough out of the gate. We came out of the final, like, graphic, and they were just about to tip, and it was way too tight of a window, and so I was kind of like, ah, scrambling at that point, and then and I eased into it a little bit, but it got better as the night went on. So you were watching some Bulls games? Were you breaking down Bulls all 10? Oh, yeah, you know me. You know me. I'll show you my, uh, I'll show you my charts and my sheets and my breakdowns. Yeah. No, I mean, I generally watch if I'm if I'm prepping for a WNBA game, I'll try to watch for sure the team's last game, mm-hmm. and if if available, the last couple. I mean, you watch League Pass, NBA League Pass, and WNBA League Pass. You watch the last couple of games to get a little more familiar with the players, listen to the home team broadcasters, learn a few tidbits here and there. PA, you know all the all the tricks of the trade. The uh, the basketball team put on a great show for you and us last night. That had to make it fun, right? Yes, I was actually, what I would have really liked is a good competitive game that the Wolves win. That's probably option A, because as you know, a lot of times the broadcast goes as the game goes. When you get a kind of slow, choppy, a lot of foul calls, like no rhythm to the game, it's really hard to get a rhythm in your broadcast. And with a blowout, and it was a blowout by halftime last night. That's when you kind of have you get off you get on topics you get off of the game a little bit and sometimes that's hard because you're just thinking in your head like what else can I talk about and when the game is really good that's all you talk about and it dictates where your broadcast goes but if it's going to be a blowout we dang well better be on the right end of the blowout because yep. that would have been a really bad situation if it was the other way Miss- that would have been. Miss Marnie Gellner, 9 to Noon. Follow her via Twitter like 9 to Noon does, at Marnie Gellner, G-E-L-L-N-E-R. They um they were chanting MVP for Derrick Rose last night, and he cracked a little smile. That was sweet. <laughs> I know, and that's the only free throw he shot the whole game. And I wonder if he'd, have, if he'd have shot five or six free throws, I bet we would have heard that chant every dang time. They were just waiting for an opportunity to throw the MVP on him. He, But 
I mean, Derek was sincerely happy about being there, grateful for the fans in the city. I mean, he's a great ambassador for Chicago. He does a lot of of work still, like um, in in the community where he grew up, which is on the south side of Chicago. Yeah. Has some scholarship programs. Like he is embedded in. Chicago and he, those those chants were genuine for him. How about that? The opposing crowd, yeah, chanting MVP for a guy. That's crazy. Uh, what was it like working with Jim Peterson? Second to none, right? Oof, it was the worst. <laughs> um, he, yeah, I, you know Jim Pete. He's so good and he is so easy to work with. That's one of the reasons I didn't really have any concerns about how this game would go. I be, I mean, my expectations, and I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm so humble. I was just trying to be clean. I was trying to keep it out of the ditch and just um, not have a not have a catchphrase, not try to blow everybody away and this be the unbelievable. I was trying to go unnoticed for the most part and just be clean, not make mistakes, and just enhance Jim, really. He is so good and so easy to work with that, it, it was a joy. It was a pleasure. Yeah. And I knew it would be. At um, at any point of the call last night, did you find yourself wanting to say, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. When when Jim Pete said, wow, that was a big boy shot by Carl Anthony Towns, I was like, same. <laughs> I know, right? What? <laughs> What um what was different calling NBA compared to WNBA? It was different because it was faster and I knew that would be the case and I have you know I have a very good seat at at the Wolves game so it's not like I'm I was caught off guard by the by the speed. Yeah. And I'm not ripping the WNBA either. But I had never called a dunk in my career. I've been calling Lynx games since the summer of 2003, and I've never called a dunk. So, I, I, laugh, I laugh because it's funny. Well, it's true. There right. have been dunks. There have been a handful of Brittany Griner dunks, yeah. none of which I have seen in person. But um, it, it's, yeah, I mean, for the most part, it was the same. The WNBA has not taken the leap that the NBA has, though. I mean, the NBA... Teams are scoring and averaging 110, 115 points a game, and that's astronomical. And obviously the WNBA is not there and not at that pace. So that is just a fact. And, it, um, I mean, I really – it was an adjustment for the amount of time that Tibbs spends standing in front of us. And I know Dave <laughs> and Jim talk about it a lot, and ha-ha, it's kind of a thing. <laughs> but when you're calling a game and you can't see, then you go to the monitor – the thing is, where the cameras are yeah. in NBA arenas, they shoot towards the bench. Well, we sit on the same side as the bench. So when you look in your monitor, mm. it's opposite of where you're looking on the court. Like, if the Wolves are playing to my right, as they were last night, where the Wolves bench is on my right, when Tom Thibodeau steps in front of us, it is on my right. And when I look at my monitor, it's on my left, Jeez. the left side of the monitor. So it's a complete switch and the adjustment going back and forth from court to monitor is not easy. I'm sure it is if you do it every day, but that is one thing where I, the first time it happened, I totally missed the play and I said it. I said to Jim, like, well, I have no idea what happened just there. And I went to the monitor, but it was backwards. It was reversed. And I'm like, oh, geez, this is <laughs> going to be a long night. 
Miss Marnie. Who um who was the most famous or unique person yesterday to text you good luck or good job? I thought you were going to say at the game, Chance the Rapper was sitting courtside. <laughs> um, but he did not text me, and I am not okay with it. Who? Um, I mean, I cannot even tell you the number of texts and more, way more, the number of tweets. And Twitter can be an ugly place sometimes. And last night, I was just really overwhelmed by the amount of just good wishes and genuine just genuine good-heartedness from people. I was reading through the comments on Twitter and trying to just, like, give everyone a heart and a like to let people know, I acknowledge you, I I read this, and thank you. I was really, really touched. I I really was. So from so, a... Um, I, I, you know what? I had a really good text conversation with Michelle Tafoya yeah. a couple of, couple of days ago. Yeah. Um, and then yesterday, Paul Allen from the radio texted me, so that was nice. No, I left you a voicemail. Um, I didn't want it to be impersonal via text. Oh, that's right, you did. And I was at shoot around. Come yeah. on, I texted. I texted you back. Correct. And then you'd read. Yeah, then you replied to that. So with the um, with, with yeah. the the good luck text, I mean, we we have the Tafoya conversation stuff like that. What you're saying is Josh Demel didn't come through and kind of put a fat that's- L on you. That's what I'm saying. Can you believe that? Where is the support? What a oh bastard! I know. God Why bless. Not, my not. God bless Please. vodka. Um, so when the game, the week was over, the game was over. Back at the hotel, finally chilling out. Did you lay there thinking about the call in the game, just like your head buzzing a little bit? Not really, because it. I maybe had to do with the fact that the game was a blowout and. If it had been a close game, then down the stretch there are some big calls, and you're, you know, you hope you just, did that one was that one a, a good was that a highlight reel type? I really didn't. We went down the street. I had um, a beer and about a half plate of nachos, and uh, that was a celebratory because I try not to do that at eleven o'clock at night. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't try to play it back because it was a one and done, and it was. I just try to keep it the situation in the perspective of you know what. Dave Benz is such a good friend, really part of the family. He's going through a tough time with a really close family member who's not doing well. And so as much as this was a really cool opportunity for me professionally, and I did really appreciate it, it didn't come under great circumstances. And I didn't want that to get lost in there and be like, oh, yeah, this was so cool. I'm super excited. Yeah, All of this happened for a not-so-great reason. So I'm trying to keep that all in perspective and just take it as it is. It was one game, and it went pretty well, and that's basically what I was hoping for. Great job, and happy holiday, uh, happy holidays, Boondocks. See you soon. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. See ya. Miss Marnie Gellner, Fox Sports North. Great work last night on, um, on said channel. Uh, when 9 to Noon continues, the Minnesota Wild carried on the fan this evening. Uh, they have a game at Chicago against the Speedy Hawks. Russo Radio from Chicago opines on that. It's 9 to noon. You're listening to PA. What a pleasure it is to be on Hashtag Faith Radio with all of these believers this morning. On the fan. There's 23 seconds left. 
Dallas again moving in with Radulov. Radulov across and hop the stick of Yanmark. Yanmark plays the carom though off the right wall. Gets it back for Klingberg on the right point. Now for Radulov on the right circle. He shoots, he scores! Radulov scores in overtime with 10 seconds left and Dallas wins a thriller 2-1 here in St. Paul. Until I saw the city Russo Radio And I was younger Happy holidays, Michael. How are you? I'm doing awesome. You too. Happy New Year. Hope you had a great Christmas. What happens tonight at Chicago for the hockey team? Um, I don't know. It's it's funny. The Wild, uh, traditionally on this game, whenever they play at home, they they always say we never want to play at home again the day after Christmas or two days after Christmas. And and then when they're on the road, they're like, uh, it's unfair that the road team has to fly in the day of the game and blah, 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 blah. So usually this is not a good, good game, but uh, they're playing a team in Chicago that, uh, has been a little better lately, but they're 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 a team that can be beaten, especially with Corey Crawford out of the lineup. And we know, I think all Wild fans know that Crawford has a way of uh, beating the Wild. So you get Cam Ward most likely in net tonight, and and this is a game that the Wild, as, as Bruce Boudreau said before the break, they have to look at as their their unofficial start of their second half. And obviously, the first half was not good enough. They've lost nine of their last twelve games. They're on the ropes. Uh, it's it's now to start. A little bit of reset here, and we'll see if they can do it. Well, I mean, I know these Hawks have won three of the last four, but they haven't had a great month. I mean, the the vibe no. is still kind of negative for this team, right? No, uh, you're right. And, you know, part of this uh, losing skid, though, for the Wild, uh, they've lost, what is it, uh, 11 of the last 17 or something like that. It includes coming in here and, and probably deserving better than the Wild got, but they wound up losing the game. And, and you're right, I think that Chicago is a team that, that uh, I think they, they've stalled a bit here uh, this year and last year. There's no doubt about it. And, and uh, you know, again, the Wild are in a situation. They go to Winnipeg, come home against play, to play Pittsburgh, and then you have four in a row on the road. For a team that lost 9-12, the future looks pretty daunting. So you got to start off with a victory tonight. Why, why are, is the Wild struggling so badly to score? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this is this is them. It's been that way since since day one of the franchise. They always seem to, uh, you, you know, have to work harder than most every other team to figure out a way to put the puck in the net. Uh, there are times where they they sometimes make it look easy, but that's usually when they have guys like Anthony Niemi in net, and we saw him them blow him up again uh, when Montreal came to town. Uh, what a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, and then all of a sudden they they've put themselves in a position where they can't score. But the reality is, is that. You know, there aren't a ton of finishers, quote-unquote finishers, pure game-breakers in the league, but the Wild have none of them. And they've, they're they in a position right now where, where really nobody's playing well. And so they've, they've got to figure out a way to be to execute better, get to the front of the net, uh, which, uh, you know, get some greasy goals. But, again, when they get these odd man rushes and they get great looks every night, they, they you know, it's the Wild's M.O. that they don't even get shots on net. So, uh, and that... And that you know, by the way, will be interesting tonight because again, they're they're a team that you know no team in the league has been on the ice the last four days. But when you're the road team coming in and you haven't played with pucks for four days, uh, you never know what you're going to get in a game like tonight. Russo Radio, the Athletic, theAthletic.com at Russo Hockey via Twitter. How much will the loss of Matt Dumba impact the the impact the season? Well, I think it's going to impact. I mean, this team has not looked good the last four days, and I think that you know, I think a lot of people look at Matt Dumba and the impact that he makes, 
and say that it's a huge disadvantage on the power play, and there's no doubt about that. But I think even strength, they don't look like nearly as fast a team. They don't get out of their zone nearly as seamlessly. And I think it's going to be a huge impact. And, and I watched the other night. Now, I, I, I tweeted during the game that at some point they have to bring Beltidio and, and uh, Murphy up, and that could happen tomorrow because the, the uh, roster freeze uh, does get lifted. But, you know, and I will say this, on the tying goal by Jason Zucker the other night, Greg Pattern did a great job keeping the puck in. But if you're going to rely on him to play 22 minutes a night, uh, I, I just don't think it's going to work. And I think they have to get a little more mobility to the back end, a little more of an offensive defense, d- 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 dimension to replace uh, Dumba, and, and we'll see if it happens. But I think it's a huge impact. Uh, who knows what he's going to look like, even if he's able to come back at some point this year. Um, you're talking about the leading goal scorer of all defensemen in the NHL. It's a, it's a tough, tough blow for the Wild. What players are playing particularly poorly right now? I thought you were going to say well. No, poorly. Yeah, because Nordo asked me last week uh, who's playing well for the Wild right now, and I yeah. said nobody. And Come the on. I haven't won since. Come on. Uh, so I thought you were going to go that way. Uh, a lot of guys aren't playing well. I mean, Granlin has one goal in his last 18 games. Um, you know, there are just a lot of guys that aren't playing well. Uh, Miko, four goals on the season. Um, you know, Suter nearly, hasn't been nearly as good. Um, you know, I, I like the way that guy that that Sealer and Prosser have been for the most part. Uh, you know, again, it's just amazing sometimes watching Prosser. You guy guy misses twenty something games to start the year, comes into the lineup and just doesn't miss a beat. Um, you know, he's doing what you expect him to do, but I think everybody else needs to be better. I didn't like Brodeen's game the other night. Um, you, you know, again, you want more goals from Coyle and Niederreiter. You love a lot of these guys to start scoring. I don't think Stahl's playing particularly well here the last three weeks. I I, I do think that his contract situation is suddenly in his head. Um, you know, he knows that if this team falls out uh, of playoff contention here, that he's very likely to get traded going into the trade deadline. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's a lot of uh, really factors that are leading into this, and none of them are looking good right now. They've got to, they, the one thing I'll say again is that the Wild, um, you know, they've proven all of us wrong a lot of times. They figure out a way to, to, fi- to fix their seasons when they go through these dire straits. Um, and, and, you know, they very well could do it again. Uh, I, d- I did a thing uh, the other day where I looked back at the season-ending standings the last five years of this playoff format and then looked at the Christmas standings, and only 17 teams have ever, uh, you know, in this five-year division format, uh, playoff format, uh, not been in the playoffs in the top eight of their respective conferences at Christmas break and then wound up making the playoffs, but the Wild were two of those teams. So they've done it before, and we'll see if they can do it again. Any more trade steam? You know, I, I do think that Paul's going to have to look at doing something here because the, I, I, it's going to be interesting because suddenly this team went from not being interested in a defenseman to now all of a sudden they might be looking around to try to acquire a defenseman. But I still think that we've seen over and over again that forwards is where this team really needs to to add some players and particularly right shot forwards, right shot forwards that can score. Um, but, you know, it's hard to make a trade right now. It really is. We saw a lot of a lot of uh, talk by all the teams in the league going into the holiday Christmas freeze, and as usual there was more hype than something that happened. Uh, you know, nothing in terms of trades happened before the holiday freeze. We saw the same type of hype last summer. Everybody was talking about all the trades that were going to happen at the draft. didn't happen. So I, my guess is that as much as he's trying to make a trade, it's going to continue to be very difficult for him. And, and usually, again, 
this type, this type, you know, teams aren't trying to help you out right now in this division playoff format, and usually it comes closer to the trade deadline. Meanwhile, Russo, how good has Dubnik been? You know, he's been good. It's a shame that uh, it, it really is a shame that he's finally got his game back on track here the last five or six games, and they've gotten really uh, one victory to show for it. Um, again, the other night, though, uh, you know, as well as he played through regulation and overtime to, to give up that goal with 10 seconds left in a game where they could have, you know, potentially uh, gotten the shootout win, it's, it's, those are the things that kill you when you're, when you're fighting to get it back in the playoff spots. But you're right. I mean, it's good. For the way that he looked for a good three-week stretch, to, to now see him in a position where he's uh, looking more like himself again, that's huge. Now the team needs to catch up to him and figure out a way to put some pucks in the net and uh, not put him in a position where you know one mistake like he made the other night makes him look bad. How much is the losing wearing on Bruce Boudreau? I think it's killing him. It's, <laughs> I mean, I, the... I, it's amazing that this is the same team that we saw in early November and late yeah. October. I mean, just walking around the locker room, people are dejected. I painted a picture in my story the other day uh, of Zach Parisi just being alone in the locker room in a silent, eerie locker room, just kind of despondently tearing off the tape of his, his gear. And honestly, you just looked at him, and the guy looked miserable. And I think we're seeing it with Bruce as well. I think he's very concerned about the way that this team is going right now. Um, you know, and and again, as I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, the real dynamic that changes things here that makes it very difficult for the Wild to make the playoffs is teams that were absolutely awful at the beginning of the year are now much much better. I mean, Edmonton's been great. Vegas has been the hottest team in the league since mid-November. Um, so you know, all of a sudden, these teams that look like they were completely out of it have now climbed past the Wild, and and now all of a sudden the Wild are competing with you know uh, with a good 12 teams to make the playoffs and that makes it very tough. The Wild since November 12th have has the worst uh worst record in the league. They've got to you know again they've they've got to figure it out and we'll see if they can do it. They've done it before. Um but it but right now it doesn't look good. The new GM Paul Fenton seems quite stoic. How do you think he's handling this current situation? It's a good question. I mean, you know, we've, we've asked him about it and he just continues to tell us that he's not going to let, uh, you know, losses change his timeline on, on, uh, analyzing this team, you know, but I think when he looks at this situation now, I re- think he realizes how big of a, of a, of an issue this is to get this team back on track. The owner doesn't want to rebuild. I think all fans are well, uh, versed on that right now. And then you look at the World Junior Championships going on right now, and the Wild don't have a single prospect playing. I mean, that is an absolute indictment mm. on the situation that this team is in. They don't have prospects coming, and they're an aging team up top. It's not a good combination. And so I think he's start, start, suddenly realizing that this is uh, you know, uh, quite the task that he has on his, uh, on his plate here, both short-term and long-term, to get this team to be on par with a lot of teams in this league. What uh, what do you think of Jason Zucker's season? You know, up and down, a huge goal the other night. I think he's been frustrated that he hasn't scored more for the amount of looks that he gets every single night. You know, you'd, you'd love him to have five, six, seven more goals. Um, he's gotten 10 so far for the year. He's absolutely capable of of uh, catch and fire, and, and man, the Wild need it. Uh, and they could use it tonight because uh, you know, usually he plays really well in this building uh, and against the Blackhawks, and um, you know, to me, he's he's the least of their problems uh, right now. There's a lot of issues on the team besides Jason. What about Jordan Greenway? He's been great. I mean, he's you know he to me has been the brightest spot so far. Uh, you know, in this last month, uh, he just continues to build his game. Um, I think the offense is going to come from him. 
Um, it would certainly help if Yul Erickson Eck would start to get his act together and, and at least give one iota of, of uh, ability offensively. That's something that he hasn't done. Uh, Luke Cunnan's come up again and just like last year hasn't scored. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, he's pretty much alone on an island right now a lot of times. He's also, you know, every single night seems to be playing with a different center. Uh, tonight it looks like it'll be Charlie Coyle. Uh, we'll see. And, and, uh, but, but I love the way that Greenway plays. I think he's just getting stronger in the offensive zone and, and, you know, away from the puck. He's been as good as anybody on the team. With the right to change this opinion in a month and a half ish around Valentine's Day, um, do you think the team makes the playoffs? You know, I, they, they, they always prove me wrong in every way, you know, either good or bad. So, you know, my guess is that they figure it out again, as long as they're healthy. I mean, you know, they are in a position now without Dumba that if they suffer another catastrophic injury to a top, top player, um, you know, it's going to make it very difficult. Like if they lost Granlin, for instance, uh, I would call you in, in an hour and change my uh, – yep. My prediction. So, you know, I, I do think that they're going to figure out a way to pull it out. I still think that they're one of the top eight, uh, you know, best teams in this conference. But I think what what gives a lot of Wild fans uh, real, you know, disappointment so far is that they've kind of, again, proved who they are and that, you know, this team does, you know, in, in all, uh, I think, re- reality, if everybody looked in the mirror and said, honestly, uh, the capabilities of this team. They're not a team that has, I think, the ability to go on a long playoff run. And, and that's the disappointment is that, you know, we've all kind of seen this movie before. And so even if they make the playoffs, is there a hope that they're going to go out and beat a team like Nashville or, or Winnipeg to, to continue on and go on a playoff run? I think it's very unlikely. So that's, that's a disappointment. And so that's what I think Paul Fenton has to look realistically at this team and figure things out. And, um, you know, there are teams still coming back to the pack. I think Nashville's lost something like 10 games in a row on the road. Wow. I mean, yeah, it's something like that. Uh, so, you know, there are teams that, that, you know, the good news is that the teams at the top are not, like, really separating themselves. Um, but, but again, I mean, this is a tough schedule, six of the next seven on the road. Um, you know, it, it, the Wild have to figure out a way starting tonight to get a victory. Thank you, Michael. Yep, see you later. Russo Radio, Nacho Lieber in studio next. You're listening to PA. Uh, by the way, are we in the air here? On the radio. Okay, good. Very happy to hear that. On the fan. Yeah. This album is dedicated to all the teachers that told me I never amount to nothing. To all the people that lived above the buildings that I was hustling from that called the police on me when I was just trying to make some money to feed my daughter. Yeah, yeah. And to all my peoples in the struggle, you know what I'm saying? Lieber. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Football feast. 10 o'clock, Nacho Lieber time for a couple of segments. Win and in radio. And um, also the Golden Gophers bowl victory over Georgia Tech yesterday. Uh, at Nacho Lieber via Twitter is Ben Lieber, former linebacker for the Minnesota Vikings. I'm Paul Allen. The producer is Nordo. And uh, these segments are provided by... King Brothers Clothiers, King Bros Clothiers, with an S. And when we last played at Ford Field, our dress-to-impress guy was this guy. Tight ends to the right, dealing in motion, Cousins under center, play action, Kirk pass right, it's caught by Rudolph, to the end zone, touchdown! Kyle Rudolph has been the...
the Christmas gift that keeps on giving. That's his second touchdown this game, and the Vikings open up 23-9. Nine targets, nine catches, 122 yards. Only the third time in his career he's reached triple digits in receiving yards in a game. Two touchdowns. He's going to go, or somebody's going to go to kingbrosclothiers.com and get dressed for success, just like Kyle Rudolph was on the field on Sunday in Detroit. I found a member of the Vikings Covenant, and I'm sure there are more than one, um, who is very, very happy with King Brothers Clothiers. Mm -hmm. His name? Brandon Zilstra. I was wearing a gray suit yesterday, not from King Brothers. But very, uh, very proud of the gray gray suit with purple pinstripes I was wearing. A uh, main man came up to me, asked me where I got it. I told him. He said, I have one that looks exactly like that from King Brothers. Well, of course he does, right? So the, um, the vibe is spreading. The vibe is spreading. They are, uh, Kenny and Danny are fantastic. They actually just stopped by on Christmas Eve, by the way, to my place yeah. uh, to drop off some stuff. Nice. Um, so they were they were hustling and making their rounds even on Christmas Eve. So fantastic guys! Um, you should see their Instagram story of um, of their time with uh, the mountain again in New York. Yeah, uh, it, it's fantastic. I mean the the guy loves loves their suits. This is the, I mean this guy is a he is a phenomenon worldwide. Yeah, and he loves like he loves wearing their suits. So he is like he made all sorts of time for him in New York when he was filming this crazy glue commercial. That's nice. And uh, they're like, we didn't know how much time we we're going to give with him, and he gave him like hours and hours of his time just by himself, no handlers, no whatever. Hey, Golden Gophers football fans. The Golden Gophers football team, victorious in the bowl game yesterday in the Motor City Davy against Georgia Tech, is 4-0 non-conference and uh, was 4-0 non-conference this season, 7-0 overall non-conference, led by P.J. Fleck. Tyler Johnson puts a fat L on our guy Ron Johnson. He has 1,169 yards and 12 TDs. Those are both single-season school records. The team, in its last four games allowed 14.8 points per game. In the previous six Big Ten games, they were allowing 43.2 points per game. That is a precipitous turnaround. Oh, man. Um, Congrats congrats to P.J. and his uh, team, not only offensively, but, you know, defensively, just as you brought those numbers. They they make a hard coaching fire uh, during the season, which those are always tough. I mean... Listen, the Vikings just went through with their offensive coordinator, and you, you hope that you're making the right decision, and you hope that, if anything, it's an injection of um, just motivation for guys, saying, like, hey, we're, we're serious about where we want to go with the program, and we need to change things up. Uh, so it's, it's twofold in, in some respects, and it worked out in their favor. So they, they get a guy that simplifies the defense. They, uh, they get guys to play faster. They go against a triple option, which is really hard to go against. And they, dom- they dominated the game. Like Not even a question about whether or not they were going to lose the game or lose sight of the game. Yeah. They pretty much took their energy from Georgia Tech and ran with it and, uh, and got themselves a nice little bowl victory. You get a lead on those option teams of two scores. And it basically yeah, it's is over. lights out. Yeah, they can't throw the football. That's just not what they do. And you know they had a, they have a really dynamic quarterback um, the way it is. And you know he's one of those guys you have to respect no matter what because you know he that he and that offense they can have big plays in the run game that act like passing plays because mm-hmm. 
you can get out the gate pretty quickly on these, some of these triple options and all of a sudden be one-on-one with the safety, and after that, it's it's gonzo, and you're, and you're in the end zone. So uh, you still had to make sure that you didn't let off the gas pedal on defense and still stay true to your fits and all the fundamentals, but they did a fantastic job, so a good coaching job by him and his crew, and uh, and now they can come back home and relax and enjoy the last few, uh, few bits of the Christmas break. PJ's doing a wonderful job, and uh, this program is absolutely heading in the right direction, correct? I think so. I think so. You know, I I don't think that you can please everyone at all times, and I think you see that with with any team and any coach. Um, you know, I'm sure I'm sure even Mike Zimmer, through his his personality, I'm sure rubs people the wrong way, and I think that's one thing that that um, the the Fleck haters just have to get over is that PJ is who he is, and we've seen it now for a couple years that. That this is his personality, and you may not like it, but it's working and it's successful. And you're not going to please everybody, but when it comes to wins, that's how you win people over. And yeah. he's slowly but surely building this program into back to a winner. And he's winning on the recruiting trails as well, going into Texas and pulling four star recruits, going into Georgia and yeah. going into the SEC country and pulling guys. It's not easy, like being a being a guy that's that's been there, and my recruiting story is a lot different than some of these other guys, but if I was a highly touted recruit and getting wooed by all these teams across the country, it'd be re- it'd have to be a really good sales job to leapfrog from a warm climate close to home in a place like Georgia yeah. all the way through big-time Power 5 conferences to a cold-weather climate like Minnesota that's just sort of building up their program from anew. That's a hard thing to sell, and the fact that they can do that uh, these last couple of years from some of these guys is impressive. Sunday, winning in for the Minnesota Vikings, but first... Down memory lane we go! 2006, your first season with the Minnesota Vikings, correct? Yeah. Uh, plays into the reasoning, I believe, Philadelphia beating Washington is an absolute. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, Philly has won five of its last six. Washington has nothing for which to play, but... Down memory lane we go. As I mentioned in the opening segment, in my 17 years calling games for this team, Mm -hmm. there have been maximum three, most likely two times, coming into a game, I knew the team for whom I was pulling had zero chance to win. And one of them involved a 2006 Minnesota Vikings team, and I'm tying this into the Eagles-Washington game this weekend. Final game of the regular season. You're at home against Scott Linehan's St. Louis Rams. Mm. Metrodome. Mm-hmm. Happen to remember that moment? No. Okay. Well, the week leading up to that game, Brad Childress cut Marcus Robinson on Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, now, now mm-hmm. the, <laughs> the angst and the negativity resonating from players who had little for which to play. Yep. You guys were not going to the playoffs. Either was St. Louis. You're at home. But... When a when that player was cut on Christmas Eve, my my recollection is it did not go over well in the locker room. No, did not. The angst for Brad Childress was immense for handling it the way he did. Mm-hmm. Now your guy, DJ Swearinger, he got loud after the loss to the Titans about coaching. Went on a radio station, doubled down. He got louder. I understand it. They cut him on Christmas Eve. Uh, that just that intangible right there puts it over the top for me. 
I thought Philadelphia was going to win in the first place, but, you know, whatever. It's 65%, 35% for Philly. Now it's like 85-15 for me Mm -hmm. because they cut a guy on Christmas Eve, and that's not going to go over well. No, but I don't know if those are very comparable either. You know, that that's... You know, when you when you have a chance to recant, show a little bit of remorse and a little more um, dignity on the radio about speaking about your team, and the, but then you double down and just say say it again, right? I don't know if you put you don't put yourself in the, or the team in the best possible situation to make the move and say, you know, like listen, you're you're forcing us to do this, mm-hmm. and and I think that if I had to put myself in that locker room where Swearinger was. I would look at it like, hey, you dumbass. Like, what do you want them to do? You know, they want the, you've already got your hand slapped once, then you go back on the, on the radio publicly and say the, the same stuff again. Okay. You know, so you kind of get what you, what you're asking for. So I don't know if that isn't the same. Uh, the Robinson release just to, I, the way I remember it kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. And there was a timing issue where it was, you didn't have to do it then. Right. Like if you're going to do it, you could have done it a little bit later. You you could have had a little bit more self awareness about where we were in the time period of of the holidays. Um, but it's interesting because the NFL doesn't really operate like that. Like they see they see um, Thanksgiving, they view Christmas time and uh, any other holiday, what have you, during the football season as a distraction, as a as something that they don't want to have to deal with. Like it is. They would much rather not even have a Christmas break because it's business as usual. You know, a lot of teams, you know, on a on a Wednesday of practice or of uh, Christmas falls on a Wednesday or Thursday or whatever. It's yeah. it's a normal work day, and it actually upsets the coaches that they feel like they have to give players time off to yeah. be with their families uh, to keep the spirit of the team and to give them that break. But if you had it, if you left it up to the coaches. It would be a normal work day. Right. You you would be there till 5 o'clock doing the normal stuff on a normal Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, or whatever have you. So I think that there was a lack of self-awareness by the team, at least by Childress in that, that respect. But I do sympathize with them because it is business as usual. Like, that is a normal working day. Yeah. And there's not a day off in the NFL. And if you're going to make if you're gonna make business decisions, well, you're going to do it on a business day. And they just felt like that was the best time to do it. But in hindsight, I think there needs to be a, a, a little bit of a step back and compassion thrown towards the players in those moments. You think Philly beats Washington Sunday? I think they do, but I don't think it's as easy as you think it's going to be. Um, I, I like what Washington's doing right now. And if there's ever a back that can that can shoulder the load as far as getting tons of carries mm-hmm. and, and willing a team, it's a guy like Adrian Peterson. And we yeah. saw it last week where... It, it was basically for three quarters, nine on seven. You know, they hand the ball off, hand the ball off, hand the ball off. Like, we know what's going to happen, but he was mashing them for six, seven yards a pop, and then he'd, he'd break out a 12-yarder, and they'd keep the sticks moving. Um, I, I I could see this team, yes, Philadelphia's got a lot of magic right now, right? They're, they they love, you know, Foles and what he brings and all the energy and the defense is playing better but if they can somehow, if Washington can somehow limit their offensive snaps and they can grind this thing out yeah. and give themselves a chance in the second half and late in the fourth quarter, then, you know, that game could fall the way of, of the Redskins. How, um, in your opinion, how should Chicago handle this game Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium? I think you, it's either, it's a, it's either an on or off switch. 
you either tell the guys, I'm not going to play you. I'm, we're going to sit you down and we're just going to, because we think that the, the Rams are going to win and they're going to win pretty easy. Yep. Or shut your mouths, turn, turn your phones off, don't listen to anybody else. This is a game that we must win. Yeah. Because we are fighting for a first round bye. You can't have it both ways. You can't. I don't think that you can go in a little wishy-washy and tell some of your starters and your key members and your core members that, hey, this is the plan. If we go in and all of a sudden it's the fourth quarter and we scoreboard watch and, and LA is up by three touchdowns late in the game, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna pull you. That may be what he's thinking in his mind, but he can't tell the players that. Love it. So I I'm expecting that they're gonna go out and give everything they have. Uh, they're going to be super motivated to come and, if anything, spoil our our team's future yep. uh, for this season. They would love to play that spoiler role. And if they can do that, they can prove a lot to themselves that we were going to, we're, we're not just going to limp into the playoffs. We're going to go into U.S. Bank Stadium. We're going to play a, a tough, respectable Minnesota team and we're going to beat the pants off them and we're going to play physical football because that's our brand of football. And that's, that's what we're, you're going to get out of whatever team comes into Soldier Field the following week. Uh, or if they get a buy that you know two weeks later, that they want to set the tone going into the playoffs. So yeah. I think they've got a lot to play for. Maybe that's off of the score sheet. Nacho Lieber in studio. It's nine to noon. Good morning. You're listening to PA. I didn't show up last week. I may not show up next week. I may not finish this segment. On the fan. Come on. Programming on the fan brought to you in part by Quick Trip. Everybody claims that they want the best things out of life. But not everyone. Nine to noon. If you're running the Chicago Bears, or if you're you're like staunch Bears fan, who would you rather play round one of the playoffs at Soldier Field and why? Vikings or Eagles? Oh, I think that I think that you'd want the, the Vikings. For if if I'm a Bears fan, mm-hmm. and the Eagle and the Eagles get in, and, mm-hmm. and they've got the whole mm-hmm. uh, Big D Nick going on, and yeah. you know that whole bit, yeah. No, I think you want the Vikings. I think you, what? You know his nickname? No, Nick, Nick Foles? Foles. I thought it was Saint Nick. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's Big D Nick. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Big yeah. D. Oh, big, because of the ballsy performances in games and stuff like that. Correct. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Really? Yeah. yeah. It is. Okay. Um. It's not a bad would, nickname. It's not a bad nickname at all. Good for him. Uh, there's actually, I saw uh, sort of a viral picture going around of just like it's of it's, it? it's no, it's him, and yeah. it says like it says his nickname, but then it takes a you know the black sensor, yeah, and, it, and then it's like this long black sensor <laughs> thing that was all the way down to like his mid shin. Uh, <laughs> he's big D Nick. Yeah. So anyway, um, I don't think that you want that. Mm. Uh, going into Soldier Field, I think you'd rather have yeah. Kirk Cousins, uh, his abilities or lack of abilities to perform great yeah. out in the cold outside at Soldier Field. The uh, the Eagles are favored by six at Washington. With all due respect to um, your and Nordo's elite football minds, I I could not think you guys are more off about this game. And it's not necessarily the cutting people on Christmas Eve completely being the factor. Yeah, it's like just look at it this way. It, I mean, because I think the Eagles are an absolute cinch to win this game in Washington. So I think it's a true win and end for the Minnesota football Vikings. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, mm-hmm. Chris Long, Michael Bennett against Josh Johnson. I'm, I mean, in a must-win situation with two games of film on Johnson now, 
And and that Saturday night, that, that awful Saturday night game between Washington and Tennessee, I just, I don't know, man. I don't, you guys give Washington markedly more chance to win this game than do I. I think I think part of that is just in my thinking with my head or my heart. Like I, I think that there is. If a, you're in Las Vegas and you got a thousand to bet on this game, and it's being booked by uh, Justin Kazemius because that's all you guys do is bet during the college yeah, football season. Yeah. <laughs> are you taking the Eagles and giving six, or are you taking Josh Johnson at FedEx Field with no vibe at the place? They just fired a bunch of vice presidents, like the COO. The, the marketing bit, I mean, the vibe is as negative. Oh, the, play, the players don't care about that. I understand, but the vibe is super negative is what I'm saying. I'm taking the six points. You're taking Washington in the six. I'm I think taking I, the I six would points. Oh! The division matchup, these I would are too. prideful pros. Yeah. I think one last cry for a couple of those guys. Right. And you don't know how well Swearinger was, his comments were either received, acknowledged. You don't know how the vibe in the locker room ultimately went with that. Yeah. So I, I would take the six points in a second. I think it's going to be closer than uh, you than guys are going to jump right into the teeth of this steamrolling champion. Let's do it. Okay. I mean, do you want you want an actual on air no. bet? No, no, I don't need you an on air bet. No, I just wanted I just wanted to see if you had to put your money where your proverbial mouth is, which way you would go on the six because it's six. Now it probably should be three and a half, but the seven oh two is going to make it a six knowing the squares are going to roll in on the team that has to win. I'm thinking two games on Josh Johnson against Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Michael Bennett, Chris Long, and the rest of these creatures, Malcolm Jenkins, and I think Philadelphia wins. I think it's an absolute. Well, I, I'm i with you. I think Philadelphia may win, but six, if I'm a betting man and you get me at home yeah. with with uh, the circumstances that they be, I'm yeah. with Nordo. I think that... See, that's Wash- why you always lose to Flash. Probably because if you're down ten with this super special Washington team, and there's a minute forty five left, and you're at the minus forty, and now you need Josh Johnson to go score a touchdown, it's probably not happening. Yeah, maybe not, maybe not. But that's the joy of betting, right? What um, and I and I don't always lose it, Justin. I think I've I think I dropped. I think I'm sideways on him by three games this year. Yes, uh, Mitchell Trubisky's game. Your thoughts? Oh, and by the way. Uh, when you and I were texting yesterday, you were watching back Vikings-Bears round one. I was, yeah. I mean, we, we remember the game, the three turnovers, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. j- just overall, when you watched it back, uh, what did what did, do you have any new opinions, and what do you think of Trubisky's game? Uh, I was sort of disgusted um, because I, I feel like I know that every every team can walk away from any game and say, well, we left a lot of plays out there, and that shouldn't have happened. And you know, if we had to play him again, I really think that the way that the Vikings played in Soldier Field was more about what the Vikings did to themselves than what Chicago did to them. Yeah, and I can't take anything away from Khalil Mack because you know he is a he is just a beast, and you know he had he had Riley on his skates at times, and then even even on uh, some of the twists and stuff they're doing up front, they just had our offensive line looking um, you know just out of sorts. Uh, but I I didn't think that they're so super special. Like there were times like you know, even the um you know the fumble by by Dalvin. You know, unfortunately that was a, a missed block by Kyle yeah. uh, against Khalil Mack. And 
And I could see how Dalvin just did not expect an arm to come through there because you know he was expecting his his tight end to be blocking the guy, mm-hmm. and he's got to have better ball security. But you you take away some of those just kind of like ah, oh, it's just kind of a fluky play, you know, yeah. it's a fluky turnover. And you know we uh, we have the interception that was supposed to go to Kyle that was like a misinterpretation of the route that Cousins even was like that's my fault and. Yeah, was, see, there's nothing. I don't think there's anything fluky about those picks. I mean, I think they were both awful throws by Kirk. I mean, maybe the, his worst performance of the year, ultimately. Right. No, nothing fluky about those. No. But the guy who intercepted them, I'd be shocked if he plays this weekend. That's a big key, Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson, mm-hmm. and, and it gets me to this, is I can't remember seeing a secondary for a super-winning team in the NFL in Prince of Mucamara, Kyle Fuller, Adrian Amos, and now Dion Bush with their nickel being Sherrick McManus because Bryce Callahan, one of the better nickels in the game, is not going to play. He's out. He's hurt. I, I can't remember a secondary where I don't think it's that great really, really looking good because of how good the pass rush is, you know? I know. And that's how, that's how it always goes, though, right? I mean, that's why the Russian coverage works together. Um, that's why I'm very optimistic that even when they they should come out with their best, they should come out with their hair on fire and playing for a first round bye and not not trying to pay attention at all to what the LA team is doing. Um, I think that we have a really good chance to beat these guys and beat them soundly. You yep. know, I I think I like the direction of our new offense. You know, going back on it, I think we did a we did way too much of the the zone read and uh, against that front. Allowing them an extra beat and allowing them allowing them an extra second where you have to hold that mesh point when you're trying to you're trying to key in on that end man on the line of scrimmage, it allowed too much penetration. Yeah, and it just did, and it's it's just not really a fair fight when you have a big formidable front four, which they do. I mean, Hicks is just an unbelievable force. He's right? so powerful. He's so good. And he's opposite right? our guards. So why? So in and looking back on it, that's why I'm like scratching my head, like. Knowing that they have a dominant defensive front, and and I know that you have confidence in our own players, and you and you tell them in a in a you know bullish fashion, like do your job and block those guys. But you have to look at it as such that those guys just I think talent wise they're just a little bit better than our guys. So why not put mm-hmm. our guys in a better position to succeed? Right. Why are you asking our offensive linemen to hold blocks for an extra second so you can maybe get a read on a guy on the on the line the end man on the line of scrimmage? Like no. Go back to what, and they did try to do this a little bit. It wasn't always just shotgun zone read stuff, but I think you just eliminate that whole facet of this game. Love they it. have to be downhill, quick hitting plays, double teams on on the three technique and the nose guard, up to the, the linebackers, more man blocking schemes, just like we did two games ago, and just like they started to do last week against the Lions. Yep. I think that's the formula to get after these guys. That's how you can hit these guys in the mouth because they're not perfect. They do have a, a secondary that you kind of go, eh, it's okay. Eh. I mean, Roquan Smith, fantastic, right? Yeah. But let's put him out in space with, with Dalvin. Let's see what he can do covering those guys. You know, right. Let's get our weapons involved in this game. Uh, so that's why I like our chances at home. How much do you trust the quarterback in this spot, our quarterback? I trust him a lot. You know, I... I know everybody wants to be negative on his past performances and stuff, but I'm looking at this as with a new lens, again, with a new coordinator that I think understands him more than than Flip did. Yeah, uh, That's not going to be so dead set on this is the offense I want to run. I think he's going to find a balanced approach. Points are going to come from from balance. And he's going to utilize so many of his weapons now, and I think that's the theme that we're starting to understand is 
okay, you you going to take that away? You can take Diggs away? Okay, we're going to go over here. You going to take Diggs, uh, Diggs and Thielen away? Okay, then we're going to go over here. You going to try to stop this? Okay, then we'll take this. So I like that Stefanski is really is utilizing all of his weapons and taking what the defense gives him and not trying to force things down. Like we're not trying to like force balls into double teams. We're not trying to force things into Thielen just because you know, just like Kirk was saying, we need to check that box. We don't need to do that. Yeah, We we have enough diversity in offense that I think we're going to keep them on their heels, and I think it's going to keep Kirk comfortable. You got um, you got any idea how we keep Anthony Barr next season? I mean, you can franchise him. I believe the linebacker franchise bid is $17 million. Uh, that's a fat number. And, yes, he, he even though he has uh, done the cliched hand in the dirt like four times this season – he he is a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Any idea? I want to keep Anthony. I do too. Next season, I want to keep him badly. I do too. So, like, how do we do it with uh, your quarterback at three and eighty four? Sheldon is UFA after this year off the yep. one and eight. You know, Sheldon. What the hell? You know, I would I would say priority wise, you know, Barr is much more of a priority than than Sheldon at this point. Um, and and Barr has slowly but surely shown that he can be consistent. And I know that's been his big question mark. We yeah. all know what he can do when he's motivated and he's energetic and he's playing at high level. He is he is a downhill wrecker uh, when it comes to any defense. And they have figured out, I think, and this sort of naturally happens, you know, you, you find a player that's really talented like he is and he has success early on and you're like, wow, well, if he can do that, then let's experiment him in this defense if he can do this, that, and the other. Yeah. And I think we kind of went through that. We've closed that circle, and we're now back to, like, I think Zim is like, okay, now I have him figured out. Yeah. Now I know what he's really good at, and I'm going to avoid having him out in space as much as possible. Uh, I need to get him downhill and playing physical. And and I think that's his game. And I don't like the way this defense looks without him. You know, the first game was without him with no bar and Eric Wilson, who, by the way, had a fantastic game last week. But – you know, that game against Chicago, I think you miss a downhill threat like Anthony Barr. You miss that force. So is there creative ways to get him signed back on the team? Um, yes. I'm not going to share those thought, those thoughts in all totality because I, I think that there are some bold things that can happen. Damn, um, you got steam. Oof. Uh, Boy, got steam. But I, I will share those thoughts, and I've shared those with you after this. I shared those thoughts with you walking to our cars after this last game from yes. Detroit. Yes. Um, I wish to keep that private at this point in time. Yes, sir. Um, but I do think that there is a way to get him on this team, keep him on this team, and have two uh, two franchise linebackers for a wow. while. The best. See you this weekend. All right, bud. See you. Ben Lieber, at Nacho Lieber via Twitter, your steam leader, 1031. Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune with an adversarial update on the Bears 25 minutes from now. Techie in studio at 11.15. News do nor next. Time now for the Vikings Report on the fan. Presented by Quick Rewards from Quick Trip. Vikings tight end Kyle Rudolph joins PA after this from Quick Trip. Friday football feast, Buffalo Wild Wings Edina tomorrow for the regular season finale. Vikings and Bears, PA in charge. Friday football feasting, Buffalo Wild Wings Edina tomorrow. 
News du Nord. Brought to you by Canterbury's Card Casino, Poker, Blackjack, Table Games, all year round. CanterburyPark.com. Number one. A wire-to-wire beatdown at United Center last night. The Minnesota Timberwolves featuring Marnie Gellner as Vox. Because he doesn't play a whole lot like a lot of seven-footers. Rose taking a lot of contact and somehow got that shot to drop. Good hands by Derrick Rose to get the steal. Covington will convert on the other end. He certainly did. 119-94 is the final. D. Rose hearing MVP chants in the crowd. A little smirk. From the former Bulls MVP. Had a 24-point night, by the way. Cat had a 20-20 game, so that's all good. Tibbs, uh, he doesn't stop screaming. Even when the team's up by 25 points with two and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. Doesn't stop screaming and finally stands down with just less than a minute to go. Wolves have finally won back-to-back road games in the 2018-2019 campaign PA. Uh, On the other side of things, Zach Levine. Off the bench, 28 points in 26 minutes. He typically has some of his better games against his former teams now Mm -hmm. that he's in Chicago. Yeah, Uh, Chris Dunn, I don't know how you thought his development has been since he went to Chicago, but that team now, you know, since firing... Uh, since firing the mayor, Hoiberg, Hoiberg, excuse me, has uh, I mean they're they're just a bad basketball team right now. Yeah, and with Chris Dunn, uh, Chris, I think it was an ankle injury, but Chris had an injury that cost him about a month of the season, so he's working his way back. I like Chris a lot. Um, I like his development a lot, specifically with assists, um, getting into the key and with steals. So I think Chris will be okay. Bad Bulls team, just like you said. Good Wolves performance. Cap with the 20 and 20. And uh, Derek Rose, that was the A topic, man. I mean, seriously. It's like when you get the opportunity to go back to where you were the MVP and have a game like that and have adversarial fans chanting MVP, <laughs> that that has to be part of a handful of career highlights for, for Derrick Rose. Yeah. It's kind of like when you get the opportunity to do the Nordcast. Right. And you go down the hallway to K-Talk. And, and the K-Talk listeners, when they hear the Nordcast, they start chanting, MVP! MVP! It feels great for Team Nordo. Stop talking! Stop talking! Is maybe what they actually say. But who knows? To me. Uh, two straight wins after losing 6-7. to seven. They host the Atlanta Hawks tomorrow night at Target Center, so hopefully that's another W. Make it three straight for a team that had lost 6-7 to seven last week, couple of weeks. And uh, you get half off large and extra large pizzas at PapaJohns.com today uh, with the code WOLVESWIN. Number two. Minnesota Wild after the holiday break. Uh, the cool thing about the holiday break is they get to spend the holiday with their families. tough part about it is they actually flew to Chicago this morning. They'll do the, the morning skate. And then they'll play the Chicago Blackhawks this evening. Uh, the teams lost 9-12. at We had Russo on earlier to kind of document and uh, pinpoint various areas of concern with this team that's currently out of a playoff spot. Uh, biggest news, though, over the last week since, well, really since Friday, I should say, is uh, Matt Dumba will have, uh, he already had surgery on a torn uh, pectoral muscle, and he's out at least three months. It's essentially until uh, the end of the regular season. He was second in the NHL with 12 goals by a defenseman. Uh, That's a massive miss. And as Russo put it, if they lose another big-timer between now or really at any point, uh, that might be lights out for this team who finds itself again having to pick itself off the mat in the middle of a grind in one of the toughest divisions in hockey uh, to get back into playoff contention. They've done it before, uh, but they are really struggling right now. Yeah, you know, man, PA is not DA. I mean, this... 
This is the hashtag faith covenant. Correct. We want the wild to make the playoffs. It's good for everybody. Right. It's fun. It's fun down the stretch. It's it's, it's cool doing box in the box in Tommy Bahamas shorts, uh, shirts and or shorts. Flip flops, home playoff games at the X yes. kick ass. Right, I for some reason I'm just not feeling it this time. No, and through the Yoels and and through your guy Torchetti and and Bruce Boudreau, everything. I mean, we have been around all of the buzzards hovering around XL Energy Center, just waiting to dive into the carcass because it's officially dead. Yes, and and the team in Lazarus like fashion has bounced back and and somehow made it right. Hopefully it does this year for some reason, maybe because I'm so into the win and in and this Viking season has been so topsy-turvy and and got an offensive coordinator fired 3 weeks ago, freaking lose to Buffalo, win win a huge game at Philadelphia, shootout at the Coliseum. That this has been a unique Viking season for me. So maybe I just emotionally am not as far down the road on it as I will be in a week, two weeks, three weeks, or four weeks. I don't know about you, man. I'm just, for some reason, this feels really negative. Well, the Viking season has certainly been emotionally draining from several respects of the up and down in an 8-6-1 and season. However, uh, I'm not feeling it right now just because you, you're not seeing any life and you're starting to see some traits that head coach Bruce Boudreau inherited from Mike Yo that eventually got him fired. And that's the guys on the ice. That's the guys that are supposed to be playing. Yeah, guys. Jason Zucker, very streaky scorer. Eric Stahl, uh, this is new. He's not scoring at all. He's had a bad two, three weeks now. Right. And Parisi, as good as he's been, he's, he's never going to be the guy that scores every big goal that you need. He's yeah, a grinder. He, he used to be. And he's having a hell of a season. You know, Suter uh, has... I mean, just the the regression. Uh, he Russo mentioned Prodine hasn't been good. Yeah. I mean, it's just the list goes on. It's exhausting, PA. The only guy that's great right now is Devin Dubnik. Hey. And he's losing 2-1 games. You know what's great? When I say Johnny the Mouse Mickelson, captain of the 83 <laughs> Wyzetta Club hockey team, yeah. and I mention his best friend... <laughs> Who or what is his best friend? His best friend is his, uh, it's his bicycle named Wildfire. Right. He has a bicycle he calls Wildfire. Yes. He put a bobber hat on the seat when the temperature went below 20 to keep Wildfire warm. That's how much he loves his bike. Johnny the Mouse Mickelson, captain of the 83 Wyzetta Club hockey team's best friend is a bicycle named Wildfire. Yes. He calls Wildfire. (laughs) Well, there's a mutual friend of ours at the racetrack. Because race trackers with whom I'm friends, they love that John's best friend is a bike he calls Wildfire. Yes, they do. Well, one of them who listens frequently is a longtime friend of mine named Barry Butzo, who has season tickets to the Wild. So when the Wild played Dallas, he made his season tickets available to John. And he said, in the text, he said, make sure, you know, you can bring somebody and make sure Wildfire gets a seat. And he brings his spokesperson. I always love that one. The wildfire bit is spreading like wildfire. <laughs> oh, so best. best friend is a bike. <laughs> Number three. Thank you, Uncle Barry. Oh, God bless him. Uh, it was all about this guy in Detroit yesterday. Ibrahim, the running back, to the right of the quarterback. And the give is to Ibrahim, and he's in. Touchdown, Minnesota. Golden goal.
golfers from a yard out. 224 yards from Mo Ibrahim yesterday. He was the quick lane bowl MVP, a 34-10 waxing that the Gophers put on the Yellow Jackets of Georgia Tech. Tyler Johnson made a bit of history as well. Jonathan Femi Cole is now the running back on second and 11. Clock winding, six and a half minutes to go. Morgan to throw, going deep, left side toward the end zone. Underthrown, but still caught! Touchdown, Tyler Johnson! That's the single season record. A dozen TDs put this game away. The junior from Minneapolis. Yeah, Ron Johnson, a long time ago in the year 2000, he was a junior as a member of the Minnesota Golden Gophers. He scored 11 touchdowns in the 2000 season as a junior. In 2018, Tyler Johnson notched his 12th in the Quick Lane Bowl yesterday. Uh, The triple option bit can be lethal for a bunch of kids that have never seen it before. However, Joe Rossi had his kids ready to play. The physicality, the tackling that this team lacked early in the year, they had it yesterday. They had what it took. They absolutely shut down everything that Georgia Tech tried to do. And uh, congratulations, not only to, uh, to, of course, head coach P.J. Fleck and company in the program, but the kids themselves. Uh, They end the season at 7-6. and The uh, the way... The defense handled the tricky option. Uh, unbelievably impressive. Uh, you you put an option team down by two scores, you're about a 90% winner. Yeah. Because they can't pass. And your guy passing right in front of halftime, that was an aberration given the the defense Mr. Rossi was playing to try to chew on the clock. Um, I, thought, I thought it got a little weird at the end of the first half when Fleck put Carpenter in position for a super long field goal. He missed it a few plays later. G Tech gets in a spot to get some points, so it's 13-3. Yeah. But it's still, it was just a little weird. It wasn't super weird. Gophers, right side every step of the way. Nine to noon. Absolutely loves the direction this Golden Gophers football team is heading. Number four. I want to throw this at you. The Minnesota Twins, we have an eleven fifteen guest today by the name of Aaron Gleeman. So he knows more about this via baseball prospectus. Gleeman in the geek shows, on the fan, and all of that. He'll talk more in depth about this. Uh, the Minnesota Twins brought in longtime veteran, six-time All-Star. I believe he was the ALCS MVP with the Rangers. He, uh, his name is Nelson Cruz. Yeah. As uh, as the designated hitter, a one-year free agent deal with the Twins that plays out like this: fourteen million dollars, not bad. Twenty nineteen, a twelve million dollar option in twenty twenty with a three hundred k buyout. Over the last five years, he's averaged one hundred fifty three games played, yeah. twenty five doubles, forty one home runs, uh, a two eighty one average, and an eight ninety seven OPS. Nelson Cruz joining the Minnesota Twins. Uh, the techie in studio pining on that and the Wolves around eleven fifteen. Number five. And I will uh, I will wrap up with this. Uh, head coaching interview starting to take place already, PA, as we end the 2018 season and look ahead to many vacancies that will be taking place into 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, some names were thrown out yesterday. I saw this via Adam Schefter. Chuck Pagano, former head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, had an interview with the Green Bay Packers. Wow. So we'll see how that pans out. The yeah. other name that I want to throw at you, because I think it's more interesting, uh, former Lions head coach, also spent some time with the Colts. Uh, Jim Caldwell interviewed for the Packers job yesterday. Super Bowl winning OC with Burks Ravens. That's correct. And uh, he also won a Super Bowl. He must have been QB's coach with Indy, with Indy and yep. Peyton Manning in 06 as well. Yeah. So uh, And he took the Super Bowl, as, uh, took the team to the Super Bowl as head coach in 09. Vikings yeah. would have had an opportunity to play Jim Caldwell. Yeah. 
without the across the body bit. Uh, he was five and three against the Vikings as head coach of the Lions during his four seasons. Yeah, and uh, he took the Lions to the playoffs twice in his four years. Something that the Lions have not. Uh, had a lot of love with or a lot of opportunity at. So Jim Caldwell yeah. interviewing with the Packers. I like Jim Caldwell's offensive mind. Um, I always have respected it. Now, it's, it's you know, without talking to people or thinking more deeply about it, about the way things went with the Lions, it, it's difficult for me to, to, to bash on Caldwell when the culture of Lions football, with all due respect, has not been that of winning for, for a long, long time. Yes. Matt Patricia was very highly touted, and he jumps in there, and it's not working for him. So it's, I don't know, I, I mean, it's this side of contraction. <laughs> I do not know what to say about Detroit Lions football. So I kind of need to draw a line through some of that, but not all of that. Um, Burke, you know, maybe maybe next week when, when we chat with Burke, I'll bring this up with him. He knows markedly more about Caldwell than I ever will. I just know that I've respected his offensive mind from afar for quite some time. So we'll see what happens here. Likewise, in the next segment, when we get our adversarial update from Chicago Bears beat writer Dan Weederer, 1054, 9 to noon. Good morning. You're listening to PA. I, I want the wild to trade for you because your shooting ability is unbelievable. <laughs> You're all of a sudden one of my favorite players. You know, I only have three goals, right? <laughs> On the fan. Snap. Cousins looking this way. Throws. Bet. Intercepted. There goes Eddie Jackson to the 10. 5. And some touchdown. Pick six. Wow! This defense is playing magnificent at Soldier Field. Cody Parkey with an important field goal at the end of the game. Three for three on the day. And the Chicago Bears with a pick six included. They expand their lead in the NFC North. They finish up the Vikings. 25-20 here at Soldier Field. That was from Vikings Bears take one earlier this year at Soldier Field. WBBM News Radio 780, Jeff Joniak. Dan Weederer, it's Paul Allen. How are you? I'm doing well, PA. How are you? Uh, pretty well. Uh, how was the new baby during the holidays? She's been a, a peaceful little girl to this point. Thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah, for now, right? I mean, you know, by age four, five, or six, you know, now we roll into Santa opening gifts. Then you get up 12, 13, 14, 15. Uh, the, the, the dollar amounts of the purchases uh, that go up exponentially. So, uh, e- embrace these moments, Mr. Weederer. No question about it. Her older brother was uh, a- an absolute Tasmanian devil opening presents on Christmas. So, uh, she'll learn from the best. Dan Weederer covers the Chicago Bears for the Chicago Tribune. And he's on the 9 to Noon show with an adversarial update. It's 11 o'clock. Good morning. Dan, you think, um, you think the Vikings and Bears will be playing three times this season? Sure feels that way, and I actually had thought that that was the direction things were headed the, the last time these two teams met six weeks ago. It just seemed like both these teams were going to sort of end up where they were at at that point. And so, obviously, a, a Vikings win Sunday would would probably make that a reality. And so, it adds a whole extra layer of intrigue into how both teams kind of approach this game Sunday. Obviously, the Vikings have a lot more desperation and a lot more urgency to take care of business. Sunday. How um, how do you believe Mr. Nagy will handle the game? 
Yeah, I, you know, I think he's taking the right approach, which is to believe that best-case scenarios can come true. And so you have to approach this with the idea that the Rams could lose to the 49ers and that if the, the Rams lose to the 49ers and the Bears win up there in Minneapolis, that the Bears would be one step closer to a Super Bowl, getting that first round by in the NFC. And so that's what they're going in believing. Now, Matt has said that he's reserved the right to adjust in-game. If, if you see that that game in L.A. is going a certain direction and you want to make sure that you're not reckless, then maybe you make some in-game decisions to, to pull some guys out of the game. Uh, obviously, I think the pregame decisions for guys like Eddie Jackson and Allen Robinson, who are battling injuries, will be uh, on the cautious side. But other than that, I think the Bears are going to try to go up there and, and win number 12 on, on Sunday. Better matchup in the playoff for the Bears and why? Vikings or Eagles? Well, so this is the popular question in Chicago this week. And for me, I think the Vikings would be – the team that the Bears would rather see. I think there's the fear of the unknown with a hot team in the Eagles who have seemed to hit that heater at just the right time. You're always worried about those teams that come scorching into the playoffs and have something behind them as far as momentum goes. And given that the Vikings are a division opponent, given their opponent that Matt Nagy and Vic Fangio feel comfortable preparing for, I think they have a little heightened level of confidence on how they could uh, game plan accordingly and find the strategic matchups to help them have success. Neither choice is, uh, is a great one because it's going to be dangerous football, whoever you play in that first round of the playoffs, is, as Vikings fans well know. And, and, and so we'll see which, uh, what shakes out this weekend. You, um, Dan, you sense this is going to be weird in any way for the Bears. I mean, it's like it's you're either all in on this thing or here's how I'm handling it to keep bodies and minds fresh, to make one big run through the postseason, no matter when when it starts there. Certainly, Nagy cannot be sharing, okay, if the Rams are up 21-0, uh, 52, and everybody else, you're coming out of the game. I do think it's going to be weird. And in Chicago, it's even weirder, because in 2010, the Bears played a finale at Lambeau Field against the Packers in a very similar situation where the Packers had a win to get in and the Bears were already assured of being in the playoffs. And, well, guess what happened? The Packers won that game, got into the playoffs, ended up beating the Bears in the NFC Championship game, and ended up going on to win the Super Bowl. And so there's that that little extra element of, oh, my God, what did we allow to happen? And so uh, that's part of this. I do think that, obviously, the, the urgency on the Viking side is going to be much more pronounced. And I think in a game like this, that may be obvious, particularly in the first quarter, first quarter and a half, where you can sense the energy of that building and the energy of that team, and it may knock the Bears back and they may not be able to, to recover in time to get a win. But we'll see how it plays out, and this Bears team has, has surprised us at every stop along the way this year, and so I, I've really appreciated the way they've gone about their business week to week. If um, if you'd like to follow Dan via Twitter, it is at Dan Weederer. It's W-I-E-D for the Weederer. He's on the 9 to Noon Show. Uh, why have the Bears been much better at home this season, Dan? Well, I think all teams are, are better at home. I think the Vikings would say the same thing with the way their defense is played. I, I just think there's an, an added comfort level. I think particularly for Mitch Trubisky, he's, he's felt a little bit more at home, understanding that you got your, your friendly comforts. You don't have to deal with the crowd noise on offense as much. You don't have to deal with the de- defenses that are attacking as, as aggressively uh, in that regard. And, and so they've, they've found ways to, to sort of be on the right side of that. 
Uh, the defense has just been phenomenal at home as well. You guys saw that when the, the Vikings and Bears played six weeks ago. The Rams saw it a couple weeks later in prime time. And so when your defense sets a tone like the Bears defense has, and, and they've been terrific in the first half of games this year, all of a sudden you're able to play those games on your terms. And with a young and developing quarterback, it just gives you that little extra feeling of security, particularly on home turf. Uh, Dan, do you think Kyle Long's going to play this weekend? You know, it's still in the realm of possibility, which is shocking to me, given the way he came off the field nine weeks ago uh, in October with an ankle injury and screaming and feeling like, you know, this is going to be his third season on injured reserve. He was on injured reserve for the third straight season. They, they can activate him as early as Saturday. And I think there's some thought that uh, even if they can only get Kyle, you know, a series or two Sunday against the Vikings, if they can get him to test out that ankle, to knock away some rust, to see what he can possibly do for them in the playoffs, they'd like to take that opportunity. And so, uh, obviously good news for Kyle and, and we'll just kind of have to see what shakes out, but he's practicing again, uh, seems to be doing well mentally and physically and, and all things point to him playing sooner rather than later. You think, um, you think the Bears secondary is really good or elevated due to that awesome pass rush? Both, both, because I think you have guys that have taken the next steps in their development, uh, particularly Kyle Fuller, who's having a, a Pro Bowl season and, and among the league leaders in interceptions, and Eddie Jackson, who in his second year is showing that he might be the second coming of Mike Brown for the Bears' secondary. Obviously, he's hurt right now, and so they take a little bit of a step back with Deion Bush in there. But, but man, this secondary was in position to capitalize on the addition of Khalil Mack and what that pass rush brought and they've taken advantage of all their opportunities, and all of a sudden you see a, a defense that had 24 interceptions in three full seasons with John Fox as coach, now leading the league with 27 picks this year. And it's been a remarkable turnaround. Well, you talk about the Bush-Jackson uh, bit. What about um, what about a, a potential major downgraded nickel going from Bryce Callahan to Sherrick McManus? That's certainly another injury that, that has stepped up and bitten the Bears late in the season. Now, to, to Sherrick McManus's credit, he's a, a veteran who understands who he is, knows his strengths, knows his weaknesses. The coaching staff knows his strengths and his weaknesses. And so uh, in years past, uh, losing a guy who was playing the way Bryce Callahan was playing might have been really, really debilitating to a Bears defense. But they have so many playmakers now, whether it's Mack or Akeem Hicks or Roquan Smith or Danny Trevathan or Fuller or Eddie Jackson, that they can compensate for that. Now, you just want to make sure you don't have three, four injuries that add up and and put you in a, a situation. But right now they've been able to, to compensate for the loss of Callahan by, by sort of moving pieces around and making sure they're still at a position of strength. Dan, you're an elite football mind. You've seen a lot for many years. What what do you think about Mitchell Trubisky? What do you think of his overall game? I, I don't know, and, and that might be a very unsettling answer for people in Chicago with the playoffs nearing it. You just you don't know what you have in him yet. He's been too uneven throughout the year. There's been flashes and moments where you say, "Boy, this this kid is everything that the Bears have advertised him to be," and then there's big games where he's he's really struggled. The the Rams game being a notable example where the defense bailed him out of a three-interception night and, and, and changed the, the feeling of the next week, changed the narrative of the next week where the Bears were celebrating a huge primetime win rather than lamenting the struggles of, of their young quarterback. And so there's a lot ahead of Mitch. There's a lot ahead of him this weekend against a, a Vikings defense that's going to be in attack mode. There's a lot ahead in the playoffs, and, and the Bears are just going to have to continue to try to, to get him to play consistent football. And, and to this point, he hasn't been able to do that. So how bad is Eddie Jackson's injury? 
they're optimistic that he'll be ready to go next week for the playoffs. Obviously, uh, an ankle sprain, you got to kind of just take it day-to-day, week-to-week, and see how the player's responding. Uh, he got the walking boot off this week, which is a, a step in the right direction, and now it's just a matter of him kind of testing that out and, and, and feeling how quickly he can get back into the mix. This kid's a competitor, so he's going to do everything he can to be ready for the playoffs. You don't work this hard to be part of a division championship team and then miss that opportunity. Uh, but we'll see where it goes. I, I would be uh, surprised. I would be shocked to be played Sunday. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears left him off the flight and just had him stay at home for the weekend and, and, and get that thing fully uh, fully back to, to as close to 100% as he can get for the playoffs. Nearing, uh, nearing the end of his first season, obviously a very successful season, Bears, Kings of the North. What impresses you with Matt Nagy? So there's two things, really. I think number one is just how infectious his energy has been for this group and the way he has set a tone, really, from April until now about teaching this team how to go about the process, about attacking each day with a purpose, with an urgency. And they've been great all year at sort of after big wins and tough losses of just getting reset and recentered and back to to center and, and getting themselves focused on that next opponent. And then that leads me to the second thing, which is, is Matt's ability to uh, put together each week's opponent-specific puzzle and, and find the, the matchups that work and find the, the things that he can exploit and understand that, hey, look, we've got an elite defense and we can play off them. And so let's figure out a way to put together this week's game plan to position, position us for success. And he's done a terrific job with that. It's, it's a, a big reason they're 11 and four. And, and as you mentioned, Kings of the North right now, Dan, they, um, they paid a lot of money for tight end Trey Burton. Has he been worth said money? I don't know if he's been worth said money. I think one of the, the, the nice parts of this offense is they didn't need him to be worth said money. Uh, obviously a big investment and, and, and the vision for him is, is, is greater than what his statistical protection would say. But this Bears offense has got a lot of different playmakers. And Matt has been really good about, again, attacking each opponent specifically and realizing where the, the matchups allow them to be successful. And so one week that might be Allen Robinson being the leading receiver. Another week it might be Tariq Cohen getting the most touches and piling up yards. The next week it might be Anthony Miller stepping up, might be Trey Burton in some weeks. And so they've had that versatility and that balance that, that really allows them to not have to rely on one guy, and, and that's just kind of what they're going to be going forward. Hey, last one. Um, on defense where Mack Hicks and Goldman grab headlines, Dan, who are some other guys who have done really well? You know, I think Kyle Fuller deserves a lot of credit for, for the season he's had. Uh, I think Danny Trevathan, if you're looking for another under-the-radar guy who just plays with a certain uh, mentality, with a certain instinct about him, who, who really has that pedigree of having been part of that Broncos Super Bowl team and knows what it takes to uh, attain high-level success as a defense and as a team. And so those are two guys that, that outside of uh, – uh, you know, the obvious selections of, of Mac and Hicks and, and some of those other guys. Uh, those are two guys that have been really consistent all year and, and have, have helped give this Bears defense its, its sort of edge. Hey, Dan, good luck with the baby girl. Uh, travel safely this weekend, and I'll see you at U.S. Bank Stadium. Thank you. Thank you. See you Sunday afternoon. Dan Weeder covers the Bears for the Chicago Tribune. The techie is in studio around the corner. Got some T-Wolves conversation coming up, but first... The Minnesota Twins have made a major free agent acquisition. Oh, oh my gosh. Above average at that. AG Twins Techie opines next. You're listening to PA. Get some beers, get some whatever, <laughs> and start celebrating. On the fan. 
Television, Dave Sims. That was the longest home run hit in Target Field history Damn. by one Nelson Cruz a couple of years ago with the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, Nelson Cruz is part of our covenant. Gleeman. Aaron Gleeman, editor-in-chief, baseball prospectus. Wonderful day to have the techie in studio. He's the Twins and T-Wolves techie. Joins 9 to noon weekly. AaronGleeman.com is the website at Aaron Gleeman for uh, scintillating tweets. And um, also our sources tell us uh, for uh, devotees of Gleeman and the Geek, uh, and that podcast, which is incredibly popular, it's vast and ever-expanding, uh, there's an emergency episode forthcoming with the signing of Nelson Cruz, AG's number 11 free agent, with his rankings at BaseballProspectus.com. I'm just going to get one opinion out of the way. Uh, late Merry Christmas, uh, Happy Hanukkah, early, early Happy New Year. God bless you, okay? I'm going to get this opinion okay. out of the way. Go. Nelson Cruz, I believe, is 38. Yep, correct. So there always will be risk of rapid decline. <laughs> but you know what? For the uh, for the Twins to get him on a one-year deal that includes a reasonable 2020 option with a tiny buyout, which is like 300 large, seems to be a no-brainer. Twins front office stayed patient, waited out the crowded designated hitter market, and got their man. That's like almost poetic the way you said that. To you. We, got our, yeah. we got our man, AG writes. You should write that down. It's so good. Yeah, I... Uh, thoughts. Th- this has been in the works for sure. I mean, we've talked about Nelson Cruz a couple of times, mm-hmm. and because the Twins have the reputation they deserve for free agency over the last, well, let's say 40 years, mm-hmm. uh, when it went silent for the couple of weeks over the holidays... Yeah. I was among the people that said, uh-oh, what's what's going on here? Because like three weeks ago, I thought they were on the verge of signing Nelson Cruz. They were they really? were in the mix with the Rays and the Astros, yeah. but then it went silent, and I thought, what's going on here? You had Dallas Keuchel on our team two weeks ago. What happened to that? That would be an interesting follow-up to this. But- this Nelson Cruz bit ruined my twin segment, because in cliched fashion, I was going to lead it with, all right, to Twins Free Agency. Right. Yeah. And I was going to drop the crickets, but we actually did something with somebody most people know. Yeah. I mean, this is, look, he's 38, so there's always going to be a significant risk that when it starts to go, it's going to go in a hurry. But he has been consistently one of the 10 best right-handed hitters in baseball for the past, basically for the past decade. If you look at the past five, six years when he's in his Mm mid-30s, playing in a tough ballpark in Seattle, he's good for 35, 40 home runs a year. Draws a decent amount of walks. He'll hit you 270 usually. And he's also a guy who gets a lot of good reviews for being a leader, being a clubhouse guy, being a, the type of veteran veteran you want around. And I think that's key because 
it's one thing to sign a middle reliever or a backup and say this guy's going to be a big part of our clubhouse vibe, which the Twins tried to do with you know Matt Belisle last year or Chris Jimenez. It's it's another thing I think to sign a guy who's going to be one of your best hitters on the field and what they hope is one of your most important guys in the clubhouse. And I think you know with Maurer leaving and Dozier leaving and Irvin Santana leaving, that was a a factor that shouldn't be forgotten either. All right, let's get squared away on this Twins twenty nineteen catcher. Uh, catcher will be assuming Jason Castro is relatively healthy. It'll be a Castro Mitch Garver split, and then you got you got your guy uh, Williams Astadio waiting in the wings at Triple A. First base. Uh, CJ Crone will be your regular first baseman. Second base. Jonathan Scope will be your second baseman. Jeez. Shortstop. Shortstop will be Jorge Polanco, same as last year. Third base. Third base will be hopefully Miguel Sano. Left field. Uh, left field will be Rosario. Uh, center field. Center field will be Byron Buxton. Knock on word if he's healthy. If he's not healthy, you'll probably see some Jake Cave out there. Max Kepler. Uh, Kep- excuse me, right field. Max Kepler in right field. <laughs> DH. <laughs> DH will be uh, Nelly Cruz. Opening day starter. Uh, your opening day starter will probably be Jose Barrios. Second. Uh, Kyle Gibson. Third. Uh, well... Depends. Be Jake Odorizzi, let's say, and then you'll have uh, Michael Pineda as your fourth. They don't really have a fifth starter, so that will be potentially the next step. And then the other thing they definitely still need is one or two, I would say, late inning uh, relief pitchers. One run lead in the seventh. Who's the guy? That's the that's the key. The one run lead in the seventh. You're going to see uh, Taylor Rogers, Trevor Hildenberger turn it over to maybe Trevor May late. But they that's I mean, if you look at the roster, there's a lot of places they could improve. But I think the lineup at this point is pretty much set. One run lead in the eighth. Who? Taylor Rogers, let's say. One run um, lead in the nine two. Trevor May. Excellent. You need you need some relievers. And I think Cruz is going to make 14 mil in 2019. Mm-hmm. That leaves them, even on a conservative, let's say $120 million payroll projection, yeah. that leaves them 25, maybe even 30 million to spend on pitching help. And yeah. I would say the the best bet there is someone like, let's say, Cody Allen. Kelvin Herrera, somebody like that as a eighth inning guy or maybe as a closer. Because, yeah, we named the two, three of the, the relievers they have in-house, which they have some decent options, but they definitely could beef up that bullpen a little bit. Uh, Nordo came in today negative on a female play-by-play voices and the Minnesota <laughs> Twins. So he his, before we signed Nelson Cruz, he was, you know, then we signed Cruz and Nordo was like, why us? Like, why would Cruz ch- uh, choose us? Why? Uh, money, probably. Right. Uh you know, when you're a 38, DH is, we saw that with, with the Twins and Jim Tomey six, seven, eight years ago, which is no matter how good you are, if you're a DH, and particularly a DH over, let's say, 35, 36 years old, yeah. you only have half the league to choose from to start. And a lot of those teams don't want a full-time DH, and some of them already have a full-time DH. So you saw with, with Jim Tomey, ended up signing with the Twins for even much cheaper than Cruz, had two great years for the Twins just because there weren't a lot of options. I think back then it was either the Texas Rangers or the Twins were basically vying for Tommy. Yeah. This time you have the, the Rays and the Astros, and you know you, you for whatever you want to say about the Twins spending, they certainly outspend the Rays most years. Yeah. Uh, and the Astros, I think, have a much bigger payroll and can offer you know basically a sure shot at the playoffs. But for whatever reason, they signed Michael Brantley to a multi-year deal, and maybe they said, well, we, we don't want to go 14 or 15 on Cruz. But the, the key from the Twins' point of view is it's essentially it's a one-year deal, and $14 million is what you pay a great DH, not a good DH. So they need them to come through. But if he, but Cruz is a great DH, right? Yes, he's been a legitimately you know one of the two or three best DHs for basically his whole career. Nordo thinks he's better than Edgar Martinez. <laughs> well, different time. I mean, Edgar's going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, he, it's tough for Cruz because he can't be the, the best DH in Seattle Mariners history. Right. It's a, a tough sell. But if Cruz has a great year at age 38, 
the Twins hold a $12 million option on him Sweet. for age 39. And if he has a poor year, the, the buyout, like you mentioned earlier, when you were reading that brilliant poetry that you came up with about the signing, thank you. it's a $300,000 buyout, which for the Twins is basically it's a, you know, a rounding error. Did you do any holiday shopping? Uh, n- not really. I did a, you know, bought a few things on, uh, online. Uh, if you were to actually get out and about and not go to Fleet Farm to help my radio show, That's right. do you think at any point of the holiday shopping season, you would go to Mall of America and hang out outside of Cinnabon wearing a kimono? <laughs> I will only eat Cinnabon if they deliver to me. That's yeah. where I'm at. Okay. Well, what about the kimono? Uh, well, if they deliver to me, I'll answer the door in the kimono. They hope I answer the door in the kimono. Do you like CJ Cron? Uh, CJ Crone. Crone, thank you. I think is a good pickup. I think it's a it's an interesting roster squeeze now because they've basically chosen Cruz and Crone over Tyler Austin, who's the guy they got from the Yankees for Lance Lynn at yeah. midseason last year. And I think it has the potential to be pretty good. Yeah, but it's tough to see Austin having a spot on the team given that they're going to have probably a thirteen or at least a twelve man pitching staff. So. You're choosing Crone basically over Austin because Cruz is a step or two above both of those guys. So I would expect uh, it's not a decision they necessarily have to make until spring training or until right around opening day, but I would expect Tyler Austin to be the the guy to go here to basically make make way for Cruz and and Crone as the first baseman. Nordo, what's our current yearly level of uh, anticipation, enthusiasm, excitement, and and getting pumped up for uh, Mr. Sano and Buxton? Well, it's never been lower. So, in terms of expectations, okay. uh, it's it's tough to say. I mean, all the reports are, you know, with Buxton, it's basically can he stay healthy? Uh, there's no work ethic issues with there. He's, you know, he's in good shape. He he does all the right things. I think he's a little ticked off still at the Twins how they treated him in September by not calling him up. But oh no, not that he doesn't strike me as a guy who's you know going to let that affect him. If he's healthy, I'm I'm I remain convinced that he's an impact player on both sides of the ball. With Sano, it's a much bigger question because we've seen Sano healthy, be good. We've seen him be overweight. We've seen him have a significant leg injury. We've seen him Poppy. struggle to come back from that. I mean, with Sano, it's a much bigger question. And and the, the issue there is he has to hit really well to have value because I think he's underrated at third base, but he's never going to be great at third base. He's mm-hmm. passable at third base. Mm-hmm. But because they have Crone at first base, and now the DH spot is occupied by Nelson Cruz, he has to be in the lineup at third base when he's in the lineup because you can't shift him to DH, and you've invested a decent amount in, in first base. So uh, I, I think too much is maybe made of the idea that the Twins will just sink or swim with those two guys because uh, that's you know that's not really how baseball works. It's more about building depth and building a full roster. But yeah, I mean, uh, fans have every reason to to doubt both of those guys. But I think, well, I mean, put it this way: if they if they have the type of 2019 that they had in 2018, there's a decent chance at least one and maybe both of them are not part of the Twins' plans. But I still think people should uh, hold out some level of optimism, especially with Buxton, a renowned elite baseball mind. Tenna B is tweeting right now. Yeah. <laughs> Number of 100-plus RBI seasons for Nelson Cruz during the past six seasons? Oh, boy. Three. Yeah. Number of 100-plus RBI seasons for all the Minnesota Twins players during the past six seasons? Zero. Your RBI leader, KFAN. That's Woo! spectacular. I mean... Well done, Cheddar B. That's good. Uh, I mean, that's good. I'm not it's one, one guy compared to an entire team. I'm not one who really cares much about RBIs, but he he certainly oh, really yeah because knocking uh, guys in doesn't matter. You got to have him on base to knock him in, PA. Yeah, that's fair point. Uh, no, but I mean, he's a slugger. He's 35, 40 homer guy. The the key one of the keys for the Twins is they've added a ton of power uh, with Scope and Crone and now yeah. Nelson Cruz are all potential. Scope was with the Orioles, right? Yep, 30 homer guy with the Orioles was yeah. an All Star two years ago. Had a rough 2018. 
they don't they've gotten rid of Maurer and Grossman mm-hmm. as sort of and in Dozier to some extent as on base guys guys who grind out at bats yeah. take walks so. Nelson Cruz is going to bat third or fourth, but if he doesn't have anybody on base, he's going to end up with 95 RBIs, and people are going to go, well, why didn't he have 120? Yeah. They're going to be counting an awful lot on, I think, Jorge Polanco to really take a step forward in the number one or number two spot in the lineup because yeah. otherwise they don't have a ton of speed and they don't have a ton of on-base guys who draw walks and grind out at bats. They have a lot of power, yeah. but it's it's in the form of Scope or Eddie Rosario or Crone who are free swingers. So is that by design then from the standpoint? I mean, you're seeing... You know, now more sabermetrics with launch angle. We want to hit more home runs right. and maximize every single at bat. You know, but that does have that does have the the possibility of being detrimental if you're also you know continuing on the super high strikeout train yep. and you're not getting guys on base to get the most out of uh, whatever the thirty five or forty home runs that Cruz hits. It's always a trade off. I mean, there's relative. We've we've kind of figured out the math on how runs are scored by teams in Major League Baseball and. On base percentage is a little bit more important than slugging percentage, but it's a you know if you add a certain amount in one category, it cancels out what you lose in the other category. the The bigger concern I think is just the number of at bats kind of given away by guys who aren't undisciplined. But if they're, I have no problem with them hacking at the first pitch and looking to hit homers and doubles instead of looking to, to draw walks. I mean, whoever was frustrated by watching uh, 15 years of Joe Maurer will probably like this lineup a lot more because they're they're going to be swinging. Uh, and I think. The other interesting thing is the majority of their additions, Scope, Crone, uh, and now Nelson Cruz, are right-handed power hitters. And yeah. what we've seen in the basically decade of target field, yeah. it's real tough, unless you're Jim Tomey, to be a left-handed power hitter consistently at target field. The ball just doesn't travel to, to right field or right center. But as we saw from Brian Dozier and Josh Willingham, if you just are pull heavy and you crush something right down the left field line, it'll yeah. fly. And I think that's part of their strategy is... So you're saying the air to right and right center is different than left and left center. That's true. I know you're laughing at that, but that is true. Really? The breeze uh, comes in. But I guess the cloud cover at Seattle really is an advantage for the Seahawks. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know how that relates to football, but if because well, t- the crowd noise stays trapped underneath the the crowd noise yeah. stays trapped underneath the cloud. Crowd noise isn't so much of an issue either way for Target Field these last few years. But Point. but uh, yeah, I mean it 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 flies better. I mean their dimensions. Baseball. I mean, look, every football field is 100 yards. Every baseball field is not the yeah. same dimension. So That seems fair. Nelson Cruz is coming from Seattle, which was a bad ballpark for his type of hitter, a right-handed fly ball pull hitter, yeah. and yet he still put up 35, 40 homers a year. So the hope is Damn. you build a lineup that is well-suited overall, but particularly well-suited for your home park. And, I mean, I would not be surprised if uh, if this team hit home runs comparable to the two or three top slugging teams in Twins history, which are, I think, like the 64 and 65 teams, those Killebrew, Bob Allison uh, slugging teams. So um, are you, so what if we got Cruz a year too late? That's very pop. I mean, that's why a guy like Cruz is available to a team like the Twins on yeah. a one-year deal. It's that he's been great, but at 38, it could all disappear in a hurry. By the All-Star break, he could be washed up. I mean, we've right. seen that over the years. Yep. The hope is that... Then he'll be inactive, and Chad Beebe will be hitting six. Yeah. I mean, it'll be uh, Brent Rooker might be playing the, the Chad Beebe role at, at that point. But right. in that case, he's it's only a one-year deal. It's only money, which they have plenty to spend still. Yeah. And if he comes through and has the type of season you want it at age 38, then you have him at $12 million at age 39. Uh, the one-year deal aspect of this, I think, is what makes it a no-brainer from my point of view. If you have to sign him to a two-year, $28, $30 million deal, and he craters in the first half, you're stuck with them for another year and a half, and the Twins don't have the type of payroll that they can live with that type of mistake. But on a one-year deal, 
the key will just be you know kind of evaluating him, not sticking with him for the entire Logan Morrison experience 2.0 if things really go south. But I think Cruz has been significantly better than a player like Morrison, and over the at 35, 36, 37 has been a legitimately great right-handed hitter. Nordo, what's up? Wild can't lose tonight. No, they cannot. It's all turning around. Vikings beat the Kitties, got yes. a winning in this weekend, and we are going to win. It's not the homer take. It's the it's the breaking down the game of Vikings at home, Bears on the road, what's at stake, what's not at stake. Vikings will beat the Bears this weekend. That's the right answer. Bull, the, the Wolves blow out the Bulls. Marnie on lead vocals last night. P.J. Flex team makes the option look archaic, like it needs to go back to 1930, 40, or 50. And then the Twins house a power hitter yeah. for $14 million. Correct. I mean, the Wild can't lose tonight. Everything is turning our way. Everything is turning around. The goal, the goaltender is unbelievable. Eric Stahl will have two goals. Parisi with one himself. And everything will be great tonight at United Center. 9 to noon with the Techie. Don't leave. We're listening to the fan. I can't wait. I can't wait until tomorrow. Because tomorrow... Might very well be too late. I can't wait. I can't wait until tomorrow. Because Cause tomorrow is a feast. Could never come. And PA in charge at Buffalo Wild Wings, Edina, Southdale. Feasting tomorrow, winning in style. PA in charge, Buffalo Wild Wings, Edina. Glitzy Edina. For the Friday football feast. Beer, wing, sports. Rinse, repeat. It's going to be good tomorrow. AJ and um, AG in studio. Aaron Gleeman is the techie. AaronGleeman.com. At Aaron Gleeman via Twitter. Did you eat a lot on Christmas? No. I mean, we had uh, we got Chinese food, as is the Jewish tradition. Yeah. Is uh, Chinese takeout. Do you eat a lot of Chinese? I mean, I always eat a lot of Chinese, though. Um, I make a uh, yearly... I make a 10-pound prime rib really? each and every Christmas. Now, the, the seasoning and everything, it matters, of course. You know, and, and there are certain things that I do, and, and we happen to like it a lot. But if you like things med- medium-rare-ish, yeah. do you like meat medium-rare? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Right. The I, I can't remember how I uncovered this like three or four years ago, but it's 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 just a masterpiece every year. It's clockwork. You take, like, it's a 10-pound prime rib, and you put it in the oven at 500 degrees for five minutes per pound. So the 10-pounder's in there five zero minutes. I cut back a couple of minutes just to make, just, 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 I cut back a couple of minutes because I want to make sure the medium rare part is absolutely in play. So I might do it 47 or 48. And then at the end of the equation, you turn the oven off, and leave it in for an hour 45. Yeah, let the meat set. Yeah. And so it comes out, it's not super hot, which is a problem. Right. So you bring it out, let it sit there for about 10 or 15 more minutes, put that oven back on 250, and then let it heat for like eight minutes so huh. it doesn't cook. You start slicing that mug, it's it's medium well, not well done, it's medium well on the outside, and then as you go in... As you dive in there, it's succulent and pink and juicy yeah. and spectacular. 
Can I tell? Am, am I making you hungry? Let me tell you my. I mean, as we're giving out secret, let me tell you my secret for what I ate on Christmas. Give it to me. Uh, you get the phone number for <laughs> Szechuan Spice in Uptown, and you call. Mm-hmm. And if you're a listener out there, you're gonna have to tell them your order. I just say hi. It's Aaron. I'll take the usual. Oh, and send it to me. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what I get. That's awesome. It's easy too. Yeah, beautiful. Perfect timing. Perfect taste. <laughs> Did you did you move any books this holiday season? Uh, yeah, did pretty well. Sweet, uh, you should. You it's can a get good book. the uh, if you got any. Uh, I'm trying to phrase this as a plug. If you get any Amazon gift cards for the holidays, yeah. and you want to spend them, go uh, get the big fifty Minnesota Twins. Nelson Cruz is not in there yet, but maybe on version two. On uh, version two, the big fifty should be the heaviest twins ever to play five <laughs> years or more. Is that why uh, got Miguel Sano? Yeah, is that what Sanel's shooting for? Well, the top got, spot? David Ortiz? David Ortiz. Bartolo Colon. Oh, we got three uh, chapters we, done. We've had, we've had a few biggins. Uh, Rich Garces, do you remember yeah. him? We, maybe we can get John Cruck to come out of retirement. Yeah. Yeah. That'd like, be good. That wouldn't be a bad book. T- Tony Gwynn's dead, right? Yes, he is dead. The late Tony Gwynn. Yeah. One of the great fat athletes in the history of... Of hefty athletes. That is that. I mean, we've talked about when the when the Sano weight thing became an a topic a few months ago. We talked a lot about the beauty of baseball is you can be CC Sabathia, oh yeah, and you can pitch twenty years, oh yeah. You can be Bartola Colon, yeah. who I would not trust him to yeah. like run a mile without dying, and he's going to pitch twenty five years. In the and league. isn't CC having like heart surgery? Yeah, he just had heart surgery, but he also just resigned right. with the Yankees for like a, his age forty. Like season. the bit that here's how good CC is, right? They're they're like and, and CC stuff with all due respect drips over his belt. Yes, that's how big. He's, that's how hefty lefty he is. He's got a very uh, blogger slash podcaster <laughs> build. Let's right. call it Cinnabon Kimono. Yes, we're we're Disgr- one in the same disgruntled columnist. Yes. It just all it, it <laughs> yeah it, it all adds up. So the story I read about CC is heart surgery, but fully expected to join the Yankees yeah, next season. that's the thing. I'm like, off heart surgery? Yes. And there's, uh, I mean, David Ortiz had a pretty solid gut there for, you know, his whole time in Boston. Buffy. And nobody cares if you produce, which is the argument I tried to make with Sano. Is yeah. like, the, only, the only reason people make a huge deal about Sano yeah. is that he's not producing, and maybe that's a factor, but if he was hitting like he did before, yeah. I mean, he wasn't skinny before, but he when he was playing like an all-star, yeah. it wasn't an issue. Is Cologne yeah. pitching next year? Uh, yes. I think he's planning... <laughs> with the rain- Rangers again? I, th- I think with the Rangers. Oh my God! I don't know if it's official or not, but yeah. How, he, how uh, can you trot that out as an organization and expect people to buy tickets? People, I mean, people. Remember when he was here for three months? Yeah. They were doing T-shirts. They were yeah, selling. I, I mean, big sexy people yeah. love it. Did we create big sexy? Uh, I think that's we capitalized on it okay. as a giveaway. Yeah. But I think that's what uh, people started calling him because I mean, Bartolo Colon has been fat for ten years, right? And has Pop made eight. three All Star appearances during that time. It's it's incredible. No NBA on Christmas Eve. How lonely were you? Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> it was rough. You got to talk to people you all day. You got to talk to your family. No or NBA or on Christmas Eve. No Grant Napier at nine yeah. fifteen in the evening. But they, then the next day they make up for it because then you yeah. know it's basically eleven a.m. to midnight. You can yeah. do NBA. It's the uh, the MVP chance at United Center last night for Derrick Rose, and he smiled. Yeah, super. Two of the best moments this season have been Derrick Rose involved. Who was the team he scored fifty against and beat Utah? Uh, no, was it? No, was it? But yeah, that was a, that was a great sort of out of nowhere, yeah, like spectacular vintage performance. Yeah, he cried. And Leah B. Olson interviewed him on the court. Sure. And he was crying. So two of the great moments this year have been Derrick Rose involved. What uh, they didn't really make too much of it. We were talking about how Marnie was doing it. I listened. I thought she did a real nice job, and, and Jim yeah. Pete always does it. But what 
did they talk at all about what the reaction to Thibodeau is at this point? I realize he's been back there several times. What do you mean? Like, oh, at they're chanting Center? MVP for Rose. They couldn't care less. Right. Yeah, I think they couldn't care less. Just kind of out of sight, out of mind with yeah, it? Yeah, but you know what? I mean, God bless Fred Hoiberg. And I, I love Fred, and I'm close with his family. Right. they got bigger issues. It's like, you know, post-Fred and, and this new Al they have in there. Right. Good Christmas song, New Al. <laughs> new Al. Have in order to record Al. that. Right, about uh, the new coach. Um, old old, uh, old Tommy T didn't do too badly, if you like, true. look back at the way things worked out. Yeah, he left as sort of... Not a hero, but he left where people were mad at the front office. Where now yeah. in Minnesota, he's also the front office, yeah. so he gets it both ways. Yeah, I don't dig that. Yeah, I'm a mate. Like the Bulls' front office has now gone through like three or four coaches. They've turned the roster over a couple times, and yeah. it's still Paxson and Gar Hurd, and people seem to just despise them. And I like I don't get why they just have endless job security. It's a very odd thing to me. You want to know what's very odd? It's LOL Radio. Uh, found this a couple of days ago, maybe yesterday. There are complaints in Philadelphia about lack of depth. <laughs> so they make the splashy yeah. move to uh, to get Butler, Covington, and Sharich on a team with Simmons, Embiid, and maybe Redick. Right. They were depth guys. I mean, good I mean, fits. Shooters. Yeah, yeah your, guy, your guy Glovington, he played a fair amount, but Embiid was the alpha. Yeah. And Simmons was the quasi alpha. Yeah. Well, Jimmy's nothing but an alpha. I mean, whether Jimmy wants to be that guy or not. So now two things have emerged. A, within the last three weeks, Joel Embiid has bitched about his role. Yeah, that was almost the, almost immediate. Since like, the trade, almost immediate. And secondly, reports come out of the Sixers Covenant that they're lacking depth with Sharich and Covington here. Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, we have, uh, if they want Anthony Tolliver, we oh. could send him. That, I think, like, one of the biggest keys for them. This is great. Can, it'll be, can they play the sort of buyout waiver market late in the season? What do you mean? Which guys get cut from non-contending teams. Yeah. It saved them last year with Ilyasova and exactly. Bellinelli. And if they... And Bellinelli's kicking ass in San Antonio right now. If they can get a Bellinelli type, would be perfect, because he yeah. can basically be a shooter for... Because if you watch but them... But Utah jumped them on that by getting Corver. Right. I mean, I'm sure there'll be a couple guys, but the key will be, do, do people who get cut from lottery teams view the Sixers as a better option than the Lakers or yeah. the Celtics or whatever other team you can join. And I don't know. I mean, I've I've tried to watch a decent amount of the Sixers. And they're, I mean, they're a good team. Yeah. They can't not be a good team. There's too much talent on there not to be a good team. Yeah, their road games are boring to watch. But everybody's in the paint. Defense is just leaving two, three players at a time yeah. uncovered. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, when, when Wolf fan were wa- fans were watching Rubio. Not a fan. And there'd be no one past the free throw line guarding him. Yeah. They have that with Simmons. And, I mean, Butler becomes like their best shooter a lot of the times when Redick isn't on the court. Yeah. And Butler's an okay shooter, but he's not a guy who's going to go bombs away from three. So I think, yeah, I mean, they're a good team. And they can go deep in the East. But I, I'm very curious to see if they end up signing a guy who gets cut, just a pure shooter off the bench. I think it would help. 45 seconds, you get it all. Wolves, two and a half from the playoffs, but five teams to jump. Yeah, Chance to change the opinion? You think they're going to make the playoffs? I don't. I think it'll be close. But, I mean, the West is just nasty at this point. Yeah, your Spurs are red hot. Like, Yeah, teams like the Spurs. And then you have teams like the the Kings, who I don't even know what to make of them, but I could see them making some sort of pickup midseason and going on a run. Like, There are so many... Teams that look like 40-win teams in yep. the West. Yep. And there's only really one team that you can beat up on in the West, and the Twi- and the Wolves just lost to them a week and a half ago in the Suns. So yep. I think the Wolves are fun to watch right now, and I think the future looks relatively bright yep. because of the depth that they added, but I don't see them making the playoffs. The best uh, connoisseur of um, 
Uh, Szechuan spice, no. garlic chicken, and fried rice. Scholar, gentleman, connoisseur of quality, Manischewitz, for all that. We love you. Have a great weekend. See you next week. See you, Pia. Aaron Gleeman, AaronGleeman.com, for all that uh, Nelson Cruz team. Uh, Nordo, see you Sunday at the House of Pain. Yes. Talk, talk to you tomorrow from Buffalo Wild Wings Edina. That's the destination for the Friday football feast. See all of you there. Time for Nordo to put a wrap on the show. Thanks for the paddy wagon. Nine to noon show wraps. Vikings on the hunt, man. The exclusive six seed. Just thinking about it gives PA a nosebleed. The alternative is death, so it's a game we need. Chats about it with Wabi while watching Fifty Shades. Freed. He's gained weight. Validates the name Barney. Sinkhole selection last night. Our gal Marnie. D-Rose blowing through the city. So windy. Bulls fans want to chant MVP. Lieber with that shine up top. So nice. Gleeman and I gorge ourselves on Yangzi and Szechuan Spice. Russo negative from his honeymoon sweet. Wild, please stop skating like you're stuck in concrete. You can put it on the board. Yes! Hell yeah! I love it, baby! Woo! Hold on to your butt. Keeping your head above water Making a way when you can Temporary layoffs Good Hold on to your butt. Good time. Scratch it up. Yeah. Good time. Hanging in a Good time. Ain't we lucky we got em. Just listen. Just listen. Good time. Personal foul. Clipping. P.A. If it's good news or money, leave a message. To listen back to a podcast of today's show, visit the Paul Allen Channel on the iHeartRadio app or go to KFAN.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.